everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, one, episode 188. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez of L.A. You went with Affleck and Lopez? I went, yeah, Geely, baby. Benifer, dude. Benifer from Geely, specifically. Well, obviously, is Benifer Gen- Jennifer Jennifer Benifer. Lopez, or is it Jennifer Garner? That's Jennifer Garner. Or Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. No. No, that was Brad Pitt. Yeah, that That's was true. that was Benifer. Brad Bradifer. In any case, doesn't matter. Okay, but again, specifically, you're from the the 2003 movie Geely. Okay. Yeah, no. Case, so first Jesse's, off, Jesse's J Lo. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, yeah, first no, of I'm all. Jenny from the block. Please don't yeah. judge me by the size of my rocks. <laughs> J Lo, because J Lo very very close to J Co. We could say that's basically okay. your name. That's yeah. what you asked me to. That's what you begged me to call you all the time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I I'm always that. like call me Alfac, and you're like yeah. call me J Jayco. But sometimes you make me call you Batman. <laughs> yeah, Batman. <laughs> you have to say it like that. Yeah, you got, yeah Batman. We need just like that. And you call me on my red phone. That's mm-hmm. when Speaking I know of, it's time. Yeah. Some D- I have a DC question for you, Alex. Oh, good. And one that it requires some speculation on your behalf. Okay. Is Shazam 2 going to be the final movie in this weird DCU, or is it going to tie into the new one, you think? Uh, I'm going to tell you this. Because it's still coming out, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, we're still getting the Flash, too, right? That's, all, that's extra weird. And that's weirder for Aquaman so many other two, reasons. right? Oh, I thought they canned Aquaman 2. I think they canned it. Is it done? I think, yeah. I, or maybe Aquaman 3 got canceled. I'm not sure. Pretty sure Aquaman 2 is finished. Are you guys, are you guys aware of Hyper Crisis? No. Hyper Time? No. Nope. Basically, the idea is that in addition to the Earths that everybody knows about, right? Uh, yeah, like all Earth of them. Two and all that uh-huh. shit. There's also Hypertime, which is like the diverging decisions that are made in life that create infinite versions of each Earth. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so, like if you look at Flashpoint, and you and you know that's a crisis of Hypertime rather than a crisis of multiverse, right? Because you're yeah. still on your same earth, but you're you've changed. You 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 didn't let the Flash's parents get killed. Hey. So oh, or yeah. your your dad to get killed. So uh, uh sorry, his mother to get killed. So 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 DC time travel operates in like a Back to the Future almost. DC time way? travel is literally the Flash runs very fast and time changes. <laughs> okay, gotcha. The point Honest is God, the point is now the point is that now you can go anywhere. It's all okay, real. Yeah. But the the way that the reason I'm talking about this is because DC does something amazing. Marvel kind of does it too, but I think DC is more iconic for this, where the editorial process is like directly represented in the fiction, like the of the first crisis that ever happened, uh, which happened after Secret Wars. Full credit to Marvel, but the first crisis that happened was they took all these Earths and they did the editorial move. Of cleaning it all up onto one earth. I, I actually remember that happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that what it, that was? Was that the new fifty two? No, that was podcast, in nineteen eighty five. In oh, Fla- eighty five. Flashpoint okay. was when they went back from Flashpoint. That was when they they did the new fifty two. Okay, okay. And there's a it. whole other thing about the new fifty two being a thing that Doctor Manhattan did to the timeline. I'm not even going to talk about that right now, but what I'm going to tell you is that the movie, the way that James Gunn's going to come out swinging here is either the flash is actually a crisis movie or is being turned into a crisis movie. uh, Or we're actually going to get a full on crisis movie, which if you watch the, uh, 
WB shows, you kind of know what I'm talking about, where they had their crisis. Yeah, and those are terrible, so this can only be uh, better. Those are all not great, but the idea of the crisis is good, where they're going into all these realities. They brought in, like, Brandon Routh as the Superman of Earth 2. I thought that was cute, because he's from mm. Superman Returns. You know, stuff like that. I think that's what we're going to see coming up next in DC, is we're going to see a big editorial move with regards to sussing out this problem, because it's so similar to the, like, history of dc comics that's that cool though we're gonna I'm get a, that goes we're gonna get a cri- we're gonna get a crisis or flashpoint that's going to reboot the whole universe and we're gonna we're get getting some blue beetle stuff, too and we're gonna get rid of some stuff and it's gonna make sense in the story why we have all the stuff that we have yeah no it'll be great <clears throat> yeah I, i'm excited to see blue beetle because i know nothing about that and george lopez no nah, it, it'll so. be trash dc makes garbage you know that, movies and- not he's not the blue beetle he's rudy whoever rudy oh, okay. is i don't know who rudy is but rudy yeah, that's who he's playing, the character Rudy. Yeah. Uh, so, Blue Beetle is being played by Zolo Maraduena. So it's going to be Jaime. Sean Astin. It's not going to be Ted Cord. It's like Rudy. No. <laughs> D- James uh, Gunn also said he wants to work with Chris Pratt again, and I think he would be great as Booster Gold. Oh, yeah, he would be a good Booster Gold. Anyway. So we got to talk about some stuff here. Oh, we don't talk about DC related. Asleep, sorry. We're gonna, yeah, yeah, we so gotta so hop so over sorry. to Marvel again. Talk about some Thor real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we gotta talk about some Thor. Doctor uh, Strange's before. Yeah, before that, we are going to the Marvel universe. Uh, but before that, we gotta go to the Patreon universe. The, yeah, the Patro, the Patroverse. <laughs> oh, the Kree uh, Warrior Patreon. Good guy. Yeah, Patreon. <laughs> he used his mighty hammer uh, and his world mind, and he uh, he caused a crisis of faith where all the money was not going into the single earth that is the pockets of the Chiluminati podcast. What the, and so what you what? need to do out there is you need to take the extra okay. disposable okay. income that you have in this rapidly collapsing Make a world. note that you can fast forward to the first 15 minutes of this episode. It's nonsense. <laughs> there is, without a doubt, always a note on, a, on the YouTube Vote release. Vote with your wallet for joy at patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod. No, God, that's the second time. All right, Dean, make note. This man time sells to out too much. Add your British voice over that I again. do a lot of things. I have a lot of jobs. It's not my choice. This is how I survived. I got potatoes today earlier at the store. I did it because of patreon.com slash Pod, the finest website for potatoes. It's the reason I had a bagel today. You guys let me buy a bagel, and I appreciate yeah. that. I know that it seems crazy, but we don't. There's no institution. I know when I talk to people online or in person about my job, even fans who listen to everything that we make, there's this sort of understanding that I report to some sort of like upper management that somehow makes it all work. And there's like rules and things that happen. Uh-uh. I'm basically just a no. homeless guy in a house. Okay. <laughs> it's like the best description of I'm all basically time. basically just a homeless guy in a house is <laughs> a non-description. I don't you have it. No, it's, it works though. It gives there, me such a vision. No mon- there's no, there's no market for YouTube. It's all entertainment. It's all nothing. We're just lucky to be here. We're not better yeah, than anyone. Barry. We're lucky to be here. And so if you speak for yourself, I'm J Lo, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why you're J Lo and I'm Ben Affleck, dude. That guy looks. You hand that guy a Dunkin' Donut box, and he becomes like a fucking still life painting of sadness <laughs> and grayness. And he's like in Venice Beach and he's like sipping a fucking Dunkachino. Like, like <laughs> I'm just saying, that's me. No I'm one can ben see. Affleck. No one, you played to camera. No one can see that. I'm yeah. playing. I don't. There's no audience. I don't even know if they're real. I've never met them. <laughs> there's a bunch of numbers, dude. There's I'm a just bunch saying. Patreon.com slash Pod is a great website. 
And if you support us there, we get to keep doing this. Because if you stop supporting us, if you stop listening to the show, the show will go away. We're not owned by WB. It's, I mean, correct. We will. There's nobody to fund us after. They're not going to sell us off to fucking Tubi for a tax break. <laughs> We're just going to go away. So in 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 support of punk rock, in support of DIY, in support of shows that build their own shit, please support us. Let us keep making this. I promise I will make good videos for you. Good 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 episodes. You'll have a good time. Support us. Support that us. Was, that was that was a very honest shill. I very, I appreciate that, Alex. That was well yeah, done. Sometimes somebody's got to do it. Are you boys ready to go back into the world of science and fact though? Because we've got places to go. Take me there. Ah, excellent. You also played the camera again. They can't see you. They put on some sunglasses. Well, nobody's going to know that I'm wearing my limited edition Target Splatoon 3 sunglasses then now. Well, gentlemen, let me put you back on the rails of logic, because today it is the second episode of the great story of Valiant Thor and the man who told his story, Dr. Frank E. Stranges. Frank E. Stranges? Frank E. Like middle initial E. Stranges. I feel like it's crazy that I didn't notice that his name was Frankie Stranges last time. <laughs> the more you say his name, the more in my head I hear like, welcome back to Frankie Stranges. Frankie night. Stranges is Radio like a guy broadcast. who like, he like got the wax into the right hands in like 1973 London to like break out like punk rock. That's who Frankie Stranges is Frankie, in my yeah, mind. Frankie That's like, Stranges. He's got like fucking some big boots on. He's like a mod. He looks like a mod. He's just Wolfman you know, like, Jack to me. He's just like, yeah. hey, cool kids. <laughs> Tuning into the radio. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, that is not how he sounded or looked. If you ever see pictures of him, especially in the 70s All or aware. 80s or hear an interview with him, he is the biggest nerd. Of, he's like, he's like Bodied. the guy who created the stereotype of nerd. You Bodied. know what I mean? Like, I'm bodying him. But have I you seen I'm most people myself. on I'm radio? Myself Let's not pretend that most people on radio are nerd? cool because they are not. <laughs> who's the bigger nerd? This guy or the guy who sits here reading his all his information oh, no, willingly? You. For sure, you. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. No, Thank yeah, you very no. much. I appreciate <laughs> I just talked to you about the hyper crisis. So I don't know who's the biggest nerd. <laughs> That's actually also uh, very I'm J-Lo, so uh, I'm the least nerdy. I'm not a stranger at the Pentagon. I'm a stranger at the Patreon.com slash I love it. I love it. Well, last week, if you didn't listen to the episode, go back and listen to it. But basically, it was the story of Valiant Thor's arrival, the Venusian man here on Earth, where he would Venusi spend. is also like bad. Like, <laughs> where he would spend three months. Valiant Thor has a Venusi. He has a Venusi. Not in the yeah. Venusi. Don't don't add that little extra stank on there. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a good run. We had a, we've had a good time doing this show. You wrapping it up? We had to. We had to end at some point. You wrapping guess it up for the good same, as any. Yeah, that's fine. Fans. Thanks. We're everyone. exactly one month away today from our five year anniversary. So eh, let's just make what? it this, there. Yeah, let's this, just make it to that. Five I good feel years. Like, I feel like this is five the last good one. solid years. Like. Five five good episodes about the Green just Stone. Just give it to us in the Venusi. And, no, all right. Uh, well, keep us rolling. You know, that's once cool. anyway. five episodes about the Green Stone, we're done. <laughs> all right, I like it. Yep. Goodbye, everyone. Valiant Thor arrived on Earth, would spend three months in the Pentagon uh, attempting to uh, push his message forward. And it's there that he would meet Dr. Stranges and he would have conversation with him, opening his eyes to the wonders of science, Earth. I mean, a life on other planets and, of course, the almighty God that runs through them all. 
At the end of last episode, we started playing around with the idea that this guy, which is, uh, you know, the Valiant Thor story, at least the ones that I've seen out there and listened to out there, all very much cover the alien angle. But a lot of them seem to leave out the part where this man, at least in my opinion, may have been trying to start his own cult, his own religion, something along those lines to make some money. And in this episode, while the story is going to get much more crazy, we're also going to see a lot more of those, uh, a lot more of his actions and what he says, evidence of him trying to build his own religion around him as the central figure. And I just think he was just not good enough of a writer, not good enough of a speaker, and not really didn't have any charisma. And that's kind of the reason this probably all fell apart because he struck at what I would consider a prime time for a UFO religion cult to like pop up. And many did, obviously. 2023? Um, no. Yes, 2023. Yeah. No, that's 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 the third time. All right. The 90s were pretty big for it. Heaven's Gate, you know, they killed themselves. But now we're back at it 20, 30 years later. But when we ended last episode, Dr. Stranges had his first face to face meeting with Valiant Thor and left the Pentagon impressed and filled with wonder of God's great power. And now we'll pick up almost right where we left off. Valiant Thor was having meetings all, quite often with Secretary of Defense, with the President, Vice President, Head of the CIA, and military chiefs, and he tried to push forward his vision of peace, unity, health, and of course, was constantly put off. And he would have one more attempt, one more meeting with the President to try and get this to work. And the president, to his credit, attempted to effect a joint meeting before the General Assembly of the UN. And this plan was rejected. He was informed that the UN would receive a special quote-unquote press release in the form of a memorandum to the Security General no later than February 7th, 1966, because he has specified dates. That's how you know it's true. These leaders of the U.S. government argued long into the night fearing that if the people of this nation learned of the plan Vi was offering, they might choose to follow him instead of them. It's all about control of the government over us, guys. That's why they turned it all down. And they were dejected. Or should I say Vi or Valiant Thor was dejected. He felt that when a man feels his personal peace and tranquility was threatened, that the human reaction is always that of swift self-preservation. And honestly, I mean, that's right. I think humans are very all about self-preservation at the expense of long-term thinking. I mean, thinking, that's just fight sure. or flight at a basic core Agreed, nature level. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Even at one point, the vice president, remember Nixon at the time, uh, insisted that the quote-unquote pressure boys allow the president to make the choice. He was vetoed without even a chance to contemplate his sentence, or statements rather. Now, you might be saying, well, if Valiant Thor was around, where were all these documents that he, that he had to visit? Well, of course, the CIA is hiding them all. The CIA has a secret file on Valiant Thor and all the things that he did. And while he was here, world conditions were not getting any better. Uh, international pressure was being brought to bear upon the administration, and they were panicking in terms of keeping their country safe. They fought diligently and enforced reg rigid regulations with stiff penalties for anyone who revealed Valiant Thor's presence. Even a major newscaster, as an example, uh, who inadvertently learned of his visit through one of his paid informants was silenced by none other than the CIA. Killed? 
which has consistently disclaimed all knowledge concerning UFOs. Murdered? What do you mean, what, si you might, what do you mean uh, silenced? You're asking for details that aren't provided. <laughs> I Silenced? don't know. He doesn't elaborate. He who doesn't was, who was the elaborate. Name? Do we know the name of the reporter? No. He's gone. He's so he's so gone, we didn't even catch his name. They were silenced. We forgot who it was. That from the, the that oh, human shit. psyche. Men in black. Valiant Thor's real power is that he can actually he can actually cancel people. <laughs> Jesse, you joke, but the men in black are a part of this story, and they will arrive later. The men in, in black episode. are coming. Yeah. yeah, baby, they're coming. J and K. Unfortunately, not the cool men in black. Oh, so they're not dancing in like No, no, unfortunately. They're closer to the men in black that we covered back in like the 40s of episodes or whenever we were doing that. Galaxy Defenders! And the CIA continued to maintain secret files that would actually prove the existence of intelligent life in the universe beyond all shadow of a doubt, but would refuse to ever show them. And at this point, I actually might agree with Dr. Strange's, but for wholly different reasons, okay? MLB. His time on Earth was coming to an end, however. I'm just not over Doctor Strange's still. I, it, it makes me laugh every time <laughs> what, what, that you Doctor say Strange's it. or Jerry Light, you know, like that was... Uh, They're both fucked up. And Frankie Thor. Strange's, though, I didn't know about Frankie. Frank E. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you, I think you were just so overblown with the insanity last episode that that little tidbit just didn't have an opportunity to I sink. just didn't hear it as... I just didn't hear it as Frankie. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, on the morning of March 15th, 19 sec uh, 1960, Valiant Thor took a meeting with Nancy Warren, which is not her real name, as to protect her identity, who would continue to work inside the Pentagon and be one of his contacts in Washington, D.C. area after he left. She would continue communication with others who would become part of what is Valiant Thor's Earth context, uh, contacts. And uh, this is what I would consider maybe one of the first seeds of red flags, potential cults. He's already highly restricting who Valiant Thor speaks to. And he'll talk about why and how restricting it becomes, but much like, and you know, I'm not, I'm not disparaging of, of people who follow religions, but very similar to Mormonism, there's always one person who is the prophet and only they can speak to God. And whatever they say is what's God's word. And that's very similar to how he begins to slowly set up Valiant Thor. And this is the first bit of it in this book where he dictates that Valiant Thor would only communicate with one person and then she would communicate with the rest of the contacts that would become his contact. Because he's got like, he's got like some kind of compulsion. Like he's just, that's just how he does it. He's like, I like to talk to one. One yeah, person, yeah. He, well, it. no, he only he only speaks with those who are whose hearts are closest to God. That's like that's why she's being spoken to and nobody else. They're not close enough to God, holy enough. I they don't allow Jesus into their hearts. As a writer, one of the notes that I have for this storyline is that you should not have mm -hmm. brought your personal beliefs as a writer into the storyline because it really <laughs> wrecks your story. Oh, uh, but Alex, you have to I write mean, what well, you know. I mean, yes, but then there's L. Ron Hubbard who wrote his Dianetics and he had a whole, he became a millionaire. You're right. Cult he did become it. a millionaire. That is one way of looking at it. <laughs> he also became a cult leader yeah. and all kinds of things. We'll, we'll do him one day too, for I sure. I don't want to do anything about him. I don't want to look at him, <laughs> talk to him. I don't want I don't, anyone he's, calling he's me. He's gone. I don't want anyone filming me when I'm out on the street anywhere. I live, oh, yeah, I yeah, live yeah. in Los Angeles. There's so Poke many the, the, the bees nest. Scientology things in this city. It's out of control. We should do a whole just tour. Although, if we push hard enough, 
we may have Tom Cruise show up and be like, guys, I need to just stop it. I'd be here for that. I'd be. I'll get in a fucking plane. I'll get in a plane. Alex with you, just bro. did the Tom Cruise laugh, and I'm not. I uh, did actually. You're, wow, you did. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, there you go. I would be so now. excited if he showed up. I'd be like, first off, fan of your movie. Second off, <laughs> when you do stunts, is it because of Zenu? How does that work? Do you want <laughs> to die? Are you praying for death? Is that? Yeah. Do you have powers? Does Scientology give hold- you powers? Dude, he then because right, Scientology gives you a planet, right? After you die, or you know, it's not Mormonism. It's a lot more. That, to I it. know that's Mormonism, but I thought Scientology there's a did lot, that too. There's a lot to it. There's a lot. No, to Scientology it, is you have ghosts of dead aliens inside your body. Yes. Yeah, I knew that. Mathis, here's I what I'll tell part. you. What I'll tell you everything about it. All you got to do is every once in a while, I'll tell you one thing for free, for free now, for free, and then in a little while, you come back. I'll tell you a little bit more. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. I'm going to say fifty bucks next time. Oh, come okay, back, okay. They, they, right. Double it. Come back, double but, but, it again. Okay, then I have a lot of information at that point, though, and yeah, so I probably trust me. End. Not all you want. All you want, though, when you trust me, when you get this info, all you're going to want is more info. That's true. And I mean, you have a great example. Look at Tom Cruise. His life just became amazing after he figured everything out, dude. It's finally kind of hitting the fan for those guys, and I'm hoping that it gets broken wide open. I, you I hope and that me both. It, yeah, I hope it gets broke wide open. Shout shout outs to shout outs to uh, Where's Shelly Miskovich? God damn it. Where's Shelly, motherfucker? When you Where's Shelly Ben, huh? When you have to have communities with security to prevent people in your people group from, from leaving? leaving from getting out? Yeah. That's that's, that's a, a jail, problem. Bro. That's a jail. And that's probably a, prison. a sign that you're in a cult. Just yeah. putting it out there. That's a prison, bro. One of the many, I'm I'm assuming. Well, boys, back to Valiant Thor. The real stuff. Eventually, the day of his departure arrived. And on March 16th, Valiant Thor dematerialized completely. Where? Adam by In front Adam. of who? Who saw this? Only, only uh, priests. Only uh, high, no. high-level Catholic priests were able to witness it. No, is this a yeah. Catholic thing? I don't think so. No, no I, I don't know. No. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. We'll if you're see. a Presbyterian, you're allowed to see it. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who's allowed. Uh, yeah, so Valiant Thor literally dematerialized. How do and we was know this? Because he told that to strangers. It came I'm in assuming. a psychic message later, and that's how we know all of this. I know that so far, Doctor Strange has only had one meeting with him, and he's about to leave, but don't you worry. More meetings will happen, and they're incredible. So he dematerialized his, this, his phase of his earth, this phase, rather, of his earthly mission complete. And his next stop was the outskirts of Alexandria. Hi. Hey, whoa. Pause. Yes. All right. Can you just really quickly, mm-hmm. really quickly for me? I'll do my best. Summarize from the moment he arrived to the moment mm-hmm. he left. What did he do? He tried to convince the world government to take his cures for all diseases, okay. food, peace, and they turned him down. And uh, that's it. What else did he do? Well, they, he, they let him test his clothing. Uh-huh. He talked to Dr. Strange's. Yep. And he lived in I the Pentagon. That was over people. three years, right? Three He's, years of this? No, three months. Three He's months. hanging out in the Pentagon, crashing. I thought it was three years, but it was three months. Okay. I, mis- I mistyped. So he was only around for three months. So he had three months. Yeah. And during that time, it, it's like that meme where it's like, my work here is done. And it's like, you, d- you didn't do anything. Goodbye. Goodbye. It's well, the same thing. This, <laughs> I just want to know what he did. He's like. I've achieved all I needed to in this earthly realm. Bye. And then peace out. Like, bro, you did nothing. He, he's aware, though, Jesse. He's aware he wasn't able to change the hearts and minds of Earth. But he wasn't about to give up. Don't you worry. But before any of that happened, he had to get to his ship. 
which was parked on the outside of Alexandria, Virginia, in a heavily wooded area where it would be no problem for him to reassemble the atoms of his body inside the ship. What? What? Say that one more time. Just let that land. Say that one more time. Absolutely. On March 16th, Valiant Thor dematerialized, ready to depart from Earth uh, as considering this phase of his earthly mission complete, where he would head to the outskirts of Alexandria, Virginia, where his ship was waiting with his crew in a heavily wooded area where his body would reassemble the atoms. Whoa! Whoa! His crew? Yeah, we we mentioned them last episode. No, 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 only no, briefly, they didn't play the fact that, like, this dude landed on Earth, and then he was like, I'm going to be the guy to talk to everyone. Well, he materialized. You're, no, he landed. No, and the, then, the ship landed first. And then left the ship, I think. What did yes. he do? Is he left his crew behind because we don't need them as backup. Well, they got to take care alien. of the ship and the, they got to take care of the equipment in the ship. They oh, can't yeah, be, I mean, of course, can't you can't yeah. like we don't need extra aliens to prove this one singular dude's an alien, but whatever. Then in order to leave, he dematerializes back to the rather than just walk back to the ship. He dematerial like he can't even get a ride. Like none of these people no. that are in his weird cult are going to drive him to the remember, ship. <laughs> remember last episode, we did say that he was teleporting in and out of the Pentagon all the time. Anyway, he was just like bouncing back to the ship every so often and he was just a busy boy you know as you are when you're uh alien with the message of world peace but regardless once his body star trek rematerialized inside the ship the craft began to slowly rise above the tree line and people stood and stopped staring and pointing excitedly in the direction of this craft others stood motionless confused and transfixed by what they were seeing and he felt such a tremendous feeling of love for all of them as they departed that there was no panic in them, just curiosity and a strong desire to know more. What day was this? March 16th, 1960. I'm just looking up UFO sightings for March 6th, 1960. No, 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 no. no. March 16th, 1960 UFO sightings. I'll, I'll let you know if I see anything. All right, you let me know. Okay. The craft continued to slowly rise and as it was uh, finished rising above the tree line and all of the people felt nothing but joy and curiosity that's when the usaf jets scrambled and with the force field now in full use their force field of the ufo that is being used to protect themselves the planes darted past the ship unable to see the ship because the force field cloaked them even ground radar lost them on their equipment and they were lost confusion once again took over the people how do they know what the ground crew is thinking i'm assuming Valiant Thor told him. Okay. Well, he probably knows. Yeah, he's got, he's got a lot going on. On his way back, Valiant Thor meditated on this home planet. The low, heavy, colorful clouds, the even temperatures, the perfectly diffused sunlight that made shadows almost non-existent, the lushness of the green grass surrounding his home. He was informed of several Earth people with whom he should maintain contact for a long time into the future. So he was like given this instruction by God through meditation. Whew. And those who, we, uh, those who knew of his presence, <laughs> oh dude, it's just starting. Those who knew of his presence yet, uh, yet who also claimed disbelief were those who, feared, uh, those who feared the most. Others figured they should have been the ones contacted and not those who were. So basically those he was reaching out to, according to the people who knew him, didn't make any sense. Why weren't they reaching to him? Uh, why weren't they reaching out to him? When he finally got back to his home planet, he advised the Council of Central Control of the results of his Earth visit, including the failure of the leaders of the U.S. to take him up on his offer of advice and assistance to the human family. And so 
the Council of Central Control gave him the following instructions. One, to mingle with and become as Earth people. Two, to work and labor in Earth enterprises. Okay. Three, to help those who encounter possible threat or danger while striving for world peace. Four, to give them advice and guidance. Five, to entrust with superior knowledge those who have proven themselves. And six, divulge the essence of their mission to the collective national leaders of Earth only when the time is right. So it's a sleeper cell. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, create a, a peaceful Jesus sleeper cell, I suppose. That's basically what the Christians have been doing, too. I mean, yeah, that is yeah, Christianity. Yeah. You're just waiting yeah, around. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Really? Uh, and, and a shout out to the people on our subreddit as well for um, listening to the first episode and drawing a ton of comparisons between some of the events that were happening with to Doctor Strange's in Valiant Thor and drawing a pretty straight line to something in the Bible that's like a new modern parody of the same story. Like that, that was very evident uh, throughout a lot of it. And, uh, so it's Jesus for a new, it's new age Jesus? Valiant Thor? In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, yeah, some of it. But what, Jesus I mean, is real in this belief as well. So That is a thing just both on and off topic. That's a thing that's been happening in America for, I mean, that's what Mormonism became. Like, it's a thing that's been happening here for a long time because it's the new, you know, if you're listening from outside the States, I'm sure most of us here know this, but there's like a weird religious undertone to the entire country and that is this new land a new place, a new Israel, like that kind of vibe yep. where a lot yeah. of people have this thing about like, this is the chosen land that was prophesied and we are the good, best people in the world. Like there's a lot of that. And that's, mm -hmm. and it leaches into, you know, modern day religion, but also politics and stuff. Now it's of course, absolutely mm -hmm. bedonkers, but yeah, it's, it's a thing where, you know, as if you're waiting for the Messiah to return, uh, you know, we can get a little lost in the weeds by being like, oh, no, 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 no. That Jerusalem stuff is whatever. The real Jerusalem, Washington, D.C. It's so no. American. It's so selfish. Right. So Nothing more American than Mormonism, stupid. though, where Jesus were, walked with the Native Americans and it's lived so in whoa, whoa, like a whoa, giant whoa. angel war. They were a giant Americans. angel war. And ignore Ignore the entire oh, they're right. culture. They were, they were cursed by God and had dark skin Igno because they no, were no, cursed no, by no, God. No, 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 no. That's, that's a even totally worse. different racist thing. Oh, no. sorry. No, that's another belief, though. Yes. Like, that's a whole other no, belief. Ignore the entire cultural heritage of every native person to this uh, continent. Uh, they're actually Jews that came across. And, that's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's they're, a, they're just more Jesus uh, people. They're like, it's all like related. It's all Jesus. Everyone's yeah. Jesus people. Yeah. The whole new world well, is all Jesus people, yes. actually. <laughs> Thousands Valiant of years Thor. of history. It's all really Jesus. It's a test. It's a <laughs> yeah. test. The point is, um, that's all so stupid and American, and it makes perfect sense if you're American. If yeah, you're oh, yeah, you a free-thinking American person who lives in America, you get this. You get why Valiant Thor is like this. Yeah. And you're just probably um, shaking your head just like me. Hopefully. Valiant Thor would not contact Dr. Stranges for about a year. But that year would not be entirely peaceful for Doctor Strange's as being one of the ones, the rare lucky ones, who got to speak and see Valiant Thor in person. During that time, he got questioned by the FBI regarding his strange adventure of entering the Pentagon, which I have to ask, how did they know? Because he also specified that everybody's brain was like clouded and nobody could see him. Yeah, like psychically controlled. He was clearly bragging later psychically to someone mm, about that's this. That's true. 
Yeah, it's true. Right? Uh, Maybe you just fact, pick up the vibes if you if like Valiant Thor gets a little like w- like four locoed out, you know, like maybe if he just like loot like he does a little bump of coke, it like <laughs> like it like shoots out a little wave of vibes because you can't I like, control I like it. That. I hope that I works. don't like that at all. No, <laughs> it's like uh, War um, of the Worlds, except instead of uh, bacteria, it's coke. I do have. I do actually. That brings up a great question. War of the Worlds spoilers, but it's the same question I have for any time there's an alien anything. Uh viruses uh habitat God protects them like, their suit does crazy things too we don't know what it have does. you Not seen elysium th- jesse then i think you know what i'm talking I about mean, here <laughs> who hasn't seen elysium let's be real have you caught the classic film elysium i have not mathis trust me you it's essential viewing <laughs> yeah yeah i know of the movie i have never seen it um the fbi was so intent on questioning him they actually met him at an uh, at a at a flight in New York upon his return from Washington D.C. that he had been conducting, and he was taken to an office where they interrogated him for three hours, um, and then ended up giving him a uh, polygraph test before letting him leave. So they like scooped him up at the airport for whatever reason, and really were like dead on getting some information out of him. What they interrogated him about, we don't know. What questions he was asked during the polygraph test, we don't know. All of this was just, you know, again, coming from the mouth of Mr. Strange's. And that whole time he waited, he consistently was curious about what Valiant Thor meant when he said, when the time is right. And he would try to convince his family that all of this happened. And of course, he was saying, uh, I, do, I wonder how his family reacted. But about a year later, Dr. Strange's was driving in Beverly Hills, California, when suddenly, out of nowhere, Valiant Thor materialized into the back seat of his car. And he said, Ah, just one more thing. Ah, I was thinking about. Uh, this is a, about a year <laughs> later that he just like whoop, appears in the car, startled Dr. Strange's, and said, Hello, Frank. How are you? So he's back, baby. He came back after a year. Imagine writing this and having to be like, What should I have him do? Like, how do I, how do I keep this going? And he just does like a comedy reveal, like a father going along on a prom date with his daughter in a 90s comedy, basically, yeah. is what we came up with. <laughs> or like what the Zodiac Killer uh, would do to someone. That, you know, one of those two. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Um, after, he obviously was startled, so he pulled over and turned off the car. And he was quickly set at ease by the psychic vibes that Mr. Uh, Valiant Thor was putting out. And he began to have conversation, asking about, asking a, at strangers about questions about his work, his family, and this these kinds of meetings would happen just like this for several years. He would see examples. He said would be he'd be driving along, and there he would be standing on the side a street corner, crossing the street in front of his car, walking next to him. Valiant Thor just kind of like was there, and he would pull over. He'd get into the car, and he'd talk. And these conversations, as Strange uh, dictates, these were way more like casual get to know you conversations, not bringing world peace conversations. And I, a part of me has this image in my head where Dr. Strange just picks up every hitchhiker that's like getting call, calling for him and just thinks it's Valiant Thor and just has all kinds of conversations with these people. That would make way more sense to me. That's like, like uh, Danny Torrance. I don't know the reference. You never seen The Shining? Oh, okay. No, I haven't. I mean, fair enough. You know what? 
<laughs> I have nothing. I have no reaction. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, you keep saying things and you're going to get nothing back. When you see a dead look on my face or like a forced laugh because I don't want to be left out, that's when you know. Fair enough. That's when you know. There's no leaving you out. <laughs> that's your thing now. That, yeah, I guess that's my brand is I'm left out of everything. All right, that's fine. All right. Well, the years went on and those conversations would slowly become more serious as Valiant Thor began to confide certain information to Doctor Strange's regarding some of their activities on the planet, like what the Venusians were doing here. He would go on to inform him that they were in the process of establishing what he called communication bases on Earth in what is private in private residences. So from city to city in major areas around the globe, individuals of high character and commitment had been contacted and their assistance had been enlisted to accomplish this goal. So random people around the world that they deemed good people, they set up communication bases in their houses, just like in people's homes. So good luck finding it, I guess. It's a really good way to, to be like, I can tell you all this, but you'll never find them. So you just have to trust me, they're out there. Uh, and he gives an example of some of these areas. Some of the areas with communication bases include Reno, uh, San Diego, Geneva, and L.A., those cities, you got, you got a communication to Valiant Thor somewhere in L.A. Please find it. If you can find this communication device, boys, I will be... We can quit this job. We can just go talk to Valiant Thor. If I can find the device? Yeah, there's, a, there's a, some house in L.A. where there's a communication device that contacts Valiant Thor and his people. I have one uh, at my house. Some house in L.A.? I have one at my house. Yeah, it's about well, 18 inches tall. It, lets, it has a little <laughs> catch so you can put an ice cube in the top so that... It, you can cool off. Oh this yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, on that's high tech stuff. Yeah, and then on one side you got this little thing off to the side, and you you know it gives it creates a bubble of water at the bottom, and then you hit it real hard, mm. and then Valiant Thor, Valiant Thor right? materializes in your no backseat. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You honestly aren't that far off because he got to see some of these communication devices, and what he said is unlike anything he that anyone could scarcely imagine. There is a holographic communicator that operates in the middle of the room it's installed. All you have to do is sit in a chair located along the perimeter of the machine and suddenly you are seeing the physical image of the one whom you are speaking with and this is what they meant by personal contact. Yo, this is like when the when Darth Vader goes to talk to the Emperor. Yes, yes. It is like bidding my master. It's a disaster. Skywalker, we're after. <laughs> but if he could be turned to the dark side, yes, he'd be a powerful ally. Another dark jet. Come on, that's the best rap that ever existed. Anyway. Anyway, uh, he was so surprised, he just walked right up to it, just kind of blown away, and just moved his hand through the hologram, which uh, el uh, elicited a chuckle out of the person who was uh, in the holograph at their at uh, Doctor Strange's unusual actions. In addition to this, Doctor Strange's, <laughs> it's so hard to do that. Uh, there's other equipment uh, with which those space visitors were able to communicate with other of their ships that are located on and around Earth including the starship, which is their home base, and orbits around the planet. So Earth is littered with spaceships from Venusians. There's a mothership that orbits Earth, and there are communication bases in four cities at this particular point. So they're everywhere, man. They're living amongst us. They're hidden. It's literally like you said it wasn't going to be the cool men in black, but what you're describing right now, I want to say, is exactly like the premise of how aliens are on Earth in the cool men in black with Will Smith and yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them's well, Dennis Rodman, and one of them's my science teacher, and yada, yada, yada. So this part confuses me because this comes up to Jesse being like, why didn't he just get a, take a car because the man can dematerialize? Well, whenever a Venusian is, was working in a particular city, 
a car is provided for them by their host. So whoever is living at the house basically has to give them the car, I imagine. Give uh, them the car? Yeah, because he said it's provided for them by their host. And the host is some person with a house. So I, I don't think they go buy a car specifically for the Venusians. I just imagine they become their chauffeurs or something. Like, it must become... Like, a Venusian shows up, and you're like, God damn it, that's my month. All right, I got to tell my work. I'm sick. You just sick. get stuck in your own little Mac and me for a second? Like, like fostering a dog? <laughs> yeah, kind of, weirdly. Except they look human and act human. And it's very, very weird. And they need to... They need use of your car, which they know how to drive for some fucking reason. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense, trust me. Uh, there are others who will who end up contributing their good fortune to ensure that all of the needs of Valiant Thor and any of his crew are met in the process of appearing as normal as possible so that they go about their work on this planet. Because that's right. Remember, the Central Council said you have to act and live like humans. So no more teleporting. You got to be driven around. You got to be in a car. Uh, but on the rare occasion when need arises, they will use one of their smaller transport ships, such as the one which Valiant Thor used to land in Alexandria, Virginia. And most of the time, this is at night when the uh, when time is of the essence. Do you want to see a picture of a top shaped UFO? I mean, yes, that was 100%. taken picture by Dan Fry in Oregon. That's uh, in this book. Hell yeah. I imagine it's perfectly connected and not at all. This silly. is going to make me go. I believe now. There you go. Oh boy! <laughs> the best hey, descriptor. Tell, tell, him, tell him what you're looking at, boys. The best descriptor is: imagine if you went to a circus, okay. and the circus tent was like Dracula's castle in Castlevania, where there was a top <laughs> circus tent, but an exact replica of that circus tent underneath it. Yeah, you are correct. If you go into a, if you go to a circus and you bring both sides of the clock to the center of the circus, the circus inverts, and you get to fight the right. real clown. Right, you have to fight the reaper, and then you go in. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, the whole yeah. thing's there. It's exactly, it's just like Dude, two circus more. tents. Together, Touching. We'll get forming a top. Docking together. It's great. Butt to butt. Yeah, yeah they, are, they are docking with one another. But as his time went on and the years passed, Valiant Thor began to inform him and prepare Doctor Strange's for the next fantastic experience that would shortly take place in his life. This begins what Doctor Strange's considers the period of the dark forces trying to take control. With the uh, dark life. troopers? Kyle Katarn? Now... No, no. Uh, what do you think Valiant Thor was preparing him for next? Because I'll tell you if you don't know. Don't worry. Preparing him for? Yeah. He was preparing him for the, his next event where he was going to be able to spread the word of Valiant Thor. What year is it? 19, it's uh, at this point, 1967. Okay. I'm going to guess that it's Charlie, uh, Charlie Manson. Okay. You think he's preparing him for Charlie Manson? Got yeah. it. Jesse? Uh, the Rise of the Hippies. Helter Skelter. No, no, no. This is Valiant Thor is preparing him for the next big event in his life. Right, right, and right, this right, event right. ends up marking the beginning of, the, of certain dark forces trying to remove him from the whole conversation completely. Korean War. Okay, you're both wrong. He had a big gig as guest speaker at a UFO convention in West Germany. A big gig? A big old gig in West he Germany. He thought he was going to go out there and be like, I'm real. And they're going to go. <laughs> ah! And that was that was his, that was the vibe. 
Yeah, I guess that's the, yeah, I guess that's the vibe. I, I, I imagine that's probably the vibe. What what year is this? 1967. 68? Summer of love? Yeah, I mean, alright, that checks out with what was going on in Germany at the time. This trip? Like, everyone was, like, like a little crazy, a little wacky in the 60s. Like, it, it checks out. And, I mean, this, you can tell this this trip is gifted by God, and this is supposed to be for him. Because at first they were going to be visiting. Every time you say any of this, it has the same vibe as when a televangelist is like, "Good, God good. wanted me to have that plane, and I need a new plane if too." He had that, if that man had that kind of charisma, he might still he might have succeeded in his attempt to create a new religion. Here. Uh, I think we all just got stupider, but like, <laughs> well, uh, on this trip, it wouldn't just be West Germany that he'd visit. He would be giving speeches in Finland, Sweden, and England on this trip. And to him and his crew's great surprise. When they boarded the plane on this trip over to head to Europe, their seats were given to a woman who was traveling with three kids and required the bulkhead seats. And instead, they all got to sit in first class. They got bumped up. They all, like, all of them got like bumped up. Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone or something. Yeah. And this to him was an, uh, indicative of the power of, just of Christ a, compels you. Yeah. Exactly, dude. That's indicative. <laughs> That's indicative that a middle class person wrote this because to a rich person, First class is nothing. <laughs> and why I mean, isn't this at the Reichstag? Like, why is it at a UFO convention? Like, why, why doesn't he just materialize in front of German parliament? I'm because, well, because the high central council told them they have to live like humans now and to ingratiate themselves into humanity. You can't do that if you're trying to do that. Fair. You know that humans run governments, right? Humans yeah. run the world pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Who like, it turns out. Yeah, humans. I guess so. Yeah. If he wants to huh. ingratiate himself with humans, they'd be running stuff, too. You don't have to just go to the West German UFO conference. I mean, but that's where I guess they needed him to be. You know, who are we to judge the motives thank you. of angelic aliens? You're right. You're right. Thank you. Thank you're you, right. Thank you. God's will. Thank you. Hey, damn right. And now you're starting and to Now you're starting to think like Valiant Thor. There you go. They eventually would arrive in Mainz, I think that's how you say it, Mainz, Germany, uh, for their first convention stop, taken to the Mainzerhof Hotel, and settled in for the uh, convention as it was. And they were scheduled to appear twice in this convention, once to present a UFO lecture, and again to present a UFO documentary film called Phenomena 7.7, which I have not seen. I have not seen it. Hold the phone, I'm looking this up. Phenomena 7.7. How do we get it? Can we make it? Can we watch it? Uh, it is. I, I don't know. Oh, I it's it. on I Turner Classic Movies. Or there no, it's we listed can... there. It's on oh. TCM? No. It's listed there. It apparently. says TCM, Phenomena 7.7, 1965, brief, brief synopsis. <laughs> an examination of verifying sightings of unidentified flying objects. This film is based on an actual incident in 1964 involving Lonnie Zamora. A Socorro, New Mexico policeman who claimed to see a UFO alight and take off. Approximately 7.7% of the reported sightings cannot be explained by the... And then it cuts off. Wow, there it is. 7.7. We learned why it was called that, though. Right there. James Fox has been looking for it for five years. Oh, damn. He's not So it's like... Yeah, Jacques Vallée and James Fox were on on Rogan, and he couldn't... he, he He couldn't find it. According to what I can see here, not that I listen to Joe Rogan. Well, this movie was scheduled to show the evening of November 5th at 1600 hours. 
But right before that, he was called to go be interviewed by two men from a large Italian newspaper magazine. Uh, one said he was a reporter and the other said he was the photographer. And they all sat at a small table in a dining room, which uh, which time uh, had lit still uh, had a light lunch. Basically, there's still time for some light lunch before his meeting. They asked him a bunch of questions, but of course, all of them were aimed at learning the full facts regarding his contact with Valiant Thor. And they said they had uh, read his books, My Friend from Beyond Earth, Flying Saucerama, Strain and Stranger at the Pentagon. So like they've all they were reading their, you know, quote unquote fans of his books. And with their tape recorder going, they questioned him about as many details concerning Valiant Thor as they could possibly get. And they kept asking him over and over again. The one question that continued to come up, where is he now? And of course, he would respond with the same answer every time and occasionally dipped his spoon into a bowl of tomato soup, which was you know, saying, I don't know where he is. Because Valiant Thor showed up to him. Remember, he'd just appear to Dr. Strange's all the while he was eating soup. Then mid-interview, uh, toward the end, rather, of the interview, a young man ran over and tapped him on the shoulder and told him that there was a long-distance call from Finland that he needed to answer. So he excused himself from the interview and went over to go take the call, only to learn that it was Reverend Leo Meller, one of the sponsoring pastors of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association, who, along with the Methodist Church, all sponsored them, uh, all sponsored them at the University of Helsinki. So, like, money. This is where some of his money is coming from. Okay. Reverend Meller called to just ask as to what time they were expecting to arrive in Helsinki. Uh, just, you know, basic kind of like normal questions. And when the call was done, he left and went back to the table, which was completely cleaned and the men missing with the exception of his bowl of soup. It's the only thing that was left there. He was confused. Still, he sat down and swallowed another, uh, another spoonful of the soup. And it's right at that moment as he swallowed that soup, that he realized something was very, very wrong. He tasted a gritty substance that upon swallowing burned like fire all the way down his stomach. Quickly grabbing for a glass of water at the nearby counter, he looked and located an interpreter, a man by the name of Mr. Anthony Lowe, and together they rushed back to the hotel. By the time they got back to the hotel, blood was trickling from his mouth and down the front of his shirt. He knew that he was growing sicker and weaker with every passing moment. Because the soup? They poisoned the soup, dude. The interviewers poisoned the soup. Well, that explains why he didn't eat it then, of course. Well, he ate it. That's why he's dying. He, had a, he, he walked away to answer a call. It's insinuated that at the time they poured something into his soup. And when he came back and everybody was gone and the table was clean with the exception of his soup, he took a swallow oh, of the soup. I miss I misheard that. I there thought he left and they were like, I would have been insulted. We brought you this soup, bro, and you're no. just gonna ditch and not eat the soup? No, he went back to he the went table. Back, ate this. Also, why didn't they just kill him? Why didn't they just choke him out? Like what do you Alex, mean? Why is why okay, first Alex? of all, you have to understand that doesn't fit the murder mysteries this man has probably read countless but times. But also you're right, you're right. soup poisoning is an art. If you are a killer, you don't just kill willy-nilly. It's about sending a message. <laughs> How do you send a message? No message is going to land with a dead person. That's why you have to do alphabet soup. So when they get the message, it's spelled out for them. I hate, you. I hate, you. I hate you. you. You snitch, you die. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, they eventually got back to Strange's room where the man he was accompanied by, Anthony Lowe, quickly stirred a packet of powder into a nearby glass of water, which he then gave to him and said to 
uh, to drink it. He apparently had taken this mixed pack of powder from the university where he was studying. Uh, he had access to a bunch of medical supplies. He did not tell Dr. Strange's the content of the vial because, and I make note of this, he wrote this in all caps in the sentence. He did not know. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. The guy who, who was a medical student didn't know what the powder was. All he claimed was that he was instructed to mix this substance and bring it with him to mines, which means this was planned from the start and it knew it was going to happen. He swallowed the contents of the glass and quickly fell into a deep sleep. Supposed yeah, to be God in, who sent the packet? Valiant Thor probably instructed the man to take the packet and he doesn't okay. know why. Yeah, right. Uh, while he fell into this deep sleep, he was still keenly aware that he was not alone in his experience. And upon awakening, the pain and discomfort had completely vanished. He reached for a glass of water, which was on his nightstand, and, slipped, and sipped a little bit of it. It felt good and cold, all the way down to his stomach, he says. And in moments, the phone rang, and on the other line, calling from Switzerland, was none other than Valiant, Valiant Thor. Thor. Hell yeah. From the land says, of the north. <laughs> He says, actually, I just, you know, one of you can be Valiant Thor here. Uh, let's get I this to am terrified that I'll get his voice wrong. That you'll get his voice wrong? What do you think Valiant Thor's voice is? That's the problem. I couldn't possibly entertain what Valiant Thor sounds like. Well, there's Valiant Thor right there. One of you has to take it. I need a brave, brave man to become Valiant Thor. Frank, how many times have I cautioned you to be very careful? With whom you meet, he continued, there are many, many lessons to be learned, and oft times they are painful. However, I am certain that you gained from this experience. Please exercise extreme care, <laughs> brother. <laughs> so he's like, hey, gotta watch your back, man. And the conversation continued, and it's then that Valiant Thor told Dr. Strange's that the men in black were actually real. Not just in the way they dressed either, but in motive and in heart. He called them the men in black? Yeah, he said he called them the men in black. And he said that he would elaborate later when they could meet in person in the U.S. Also adding that several of his people would be watching us for the duration of their European trip from now on. So he's being guarded now, chosen by Valiant Thor, to be guarded. And he just had his first assassination attempt. And uh, I'm going to give you another picture here. I'm not quite sure what this has to do with anything uh, in the book. But it was put in the book. And I just felt it important to share with you. Tight. Uh, yeah. So how to describe this one? Yeah, I don't know, Imagine man. Have you ever read The Fountainhead? Are you aware of that book by Ayn Rand? Uh, if you have read it, uh, you probably looked at the cover once or twice, I would say this looks like it could be the cover of the book, The Fountainhead, except that coming out of this man's head instead of nothing or the burst of knowledge is a, a triangle that's radiating, radiating out of a like, you know, medieval Renaissance style halo around his head. Uh, he's on the desolate surface of Mars and there's like a spiral dotted line beam of energy going from the nondescript geometric triangle into like the most classic two salad bowls touched together ufo that you've ever seen in your life and the artist went above and beyond had a little bit of a suggestion of clouds and some uh, mountainous yeah. uh terrain in the back if you want to know who the man is in this image 
and you don't want to go look up Ayn Rand. Literally, <laughs> just imagine Atlas from Greco-Roman mythology. Atlas, but take away the globe. And so he's like holding up nothing. It's just a big naked-ass muscular man covering his junk with like his knee, holding up nothing as, like Alex said, a triangle beams whirly wigs into a UFO. It's, you know, art. Yeah. yeah. Atlas shrugged. Anthem, the Fountainhead, the type of shit that you see on the cover of those books. That's what this looks like. Valiant Thor also would instruct him in this conversation that the world as he knew it didn't begin like he thought. That in time, in the beginning of, of time, at least like he doesn't specify. So I'm, I'm assuming what he means at the beginning of time, that there was a war in the heavenlies. Lucifer and his crew had been cast down into Earth. The only power they lost was that of being in the presence of the divine creator and Lucifer, Lucifer and his crew. Is that, yeah. is that you or is nope. that what he said? That's that's I it's quoted because Lucifer and his it's crew crude, 100% sounds like they dance battle. I know. Right. But Lucifer, Lucifer and his crew sounds like who I'm looking out for in my like hip hop youth Bible. <laughs> well, Lucifer though, out of even being cast down to earth was still permitted to travel through a small corridor into the presence of God where to this day, he attempts to accuse the saints. Just so you know, he has like a special Lucifer hallway that he can go see God. Oh, they have like a red phone where they call each other and talk. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of, except it's just a hallway he walks down. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He told him that it was important for all men and women who are children of true light to learn the art of spiritual as well as mental self-care. Uh, again, another kind of weird message in terms of uh, like religion. But it's this next but bit. But admittedly, not like a bad lesson. No, like being no. like, take care of yourself isn't a bad thing no. for people to do. The next part is another part where the flag of potential cult creation kind of looms for me. Uh, years before, he, he, he kind of continues and says years before all of this, he gave his life over to Jesus Christ. And he knew that in years to come, many revelations would be given to him for the purpose of showing the way with a capital W to others. However, the way this would is not strangers. Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, however, the way would not be easy. But then again, it would be fruitful because of the fact that there are many blessings for those who dare to walk out of step from the rest of the crowd as one's ears become attuned to the beat of the distant drummer. He's basically saying, and he, he'll go on to clarify in the book, like he's saying those who believe in God, but also believe in aliens or, you know, you walk out of step with them. That's, a, you're, that's, that's the truth. That's the real, that's the way. Uh, and it's kind of the beginnings of like him being like, they're not right. I'm right. I, I'm giving you the actuality of our reality in space and aliens. He considered it another experience, another warning, and another time to prove that God is with us and that there is help available to those that dare believe. And then he immediately follows up in the book with like four UFO shots. I'm just going to give you one more. This one's a Paris one. Uh, no idea who took the picture. He doesn't cre credit anybody for this one like he did the others. Classic. Uh, there you go. It's a UFO. Paris UFOs. These look like the, like, if, if you guys ever seen cats. <laughs> this looks like the first photograph of Paris ever taken. Mixed with the poster for the musical Cats. The uh, like, just imagine there's a two photograph. UFOs. Yeah. Imagine a photograph, but where the two UFOs are, <clears throat> someone just put white out in like a kind of a like an elongated donut shape and left a little bit of the background in there 
Or, as Alex says, much like in a Scooby-Doo movie, where, like, the, the guy would look through the painting with the eyes. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Car- it's too cartoon eyes. <laughs> just look, go to the Cats Wikipedia. Just go to the Wikipedia for the Cats musical. Alex just <laughs> it really is. Except just, there are no it, dancing cats in the eyes. Yeah, yeah it's just two, two Cats logo ass UFOs over the Amazing. very first photograph of Paris ever taken. Amazing. It looks Amazing. Like. Well... This was you. T- you're telling me this. T- this was taken in the '60s. No date was given. It just looks. So... <laughs> it's just a picture of UFOs, and it gives no context. Like I've seen pictures from. I'd like I've seen movies from the '60s that look like they are from today. Why is this? This looks like it was photocopied off of like a reflection from a piece of glass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know how I told you last episode that Valiant Thor also was kind of inspired to to tackle this because of uh, JFK. Well, what if I told you Robert Kennedy's assassination not only could have been avoided, but was warned direct, almost directly by Valiant Thor to him? Because that's where we're going next right now on June 5th, 1968. He warned Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. And unfortunately, to his face. and, And what's better is that Dr. Stranges saw the entire assassination and death on the ship with Valiant Thor. We're going to get to how he got there in a second. But he says in the book, quote, I cannot give a detail of the account of what actually took place on that fateful day at the Ambassador Hotel in L.A., but suffice it to say that the authorities who were in charge of the investigation know more than what is admitted to the press. Uh, just like real quick, is this some sort of like Federation hands off policy thing? Because if he knew it was going to happen and he told him, no, he did why not didn't he he later did... try to stop it. So because this has like the vibe of like in back in early YouTube when I'd, I'd like do a collab with someone and I'd like bring my show onto their show for a second just to like bring both our shows up. <laughs> yeah. Like I'd bring I'd go on game theory and I'd say, hey, let's talk about Pokemon. Right. Like he, he's like, by the way, the Kennedy he, conspiracy is connected to Valiant yeah, Thor. Man. Find more. He was contacted yeah. on that day, June 5th. To bike Valiant Thor to meet him at the San Diego airport where Valiant Thor met him with a car. He got in and Valiant Thor began in driving to the Mexico border. Uh, what he didn't realize at the time is that where Valiant Thor was taking him was for the first time to get to be on Valiant Thor's ship. He's going to get to see it. And I have illustrations of what this ship looked like, which we'll go to in a minute. All right. Time out. Just Can't like, wait. you know. Can't wait. D- you know, like uh, alien commandery stuff here. Yeah, for a yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no spacefaring man. But if I had the technology to hide a ship somewhere and to teleport willy-nilly, I most certainly would teleport myself and my friend to the ship, thus hiding its location. Not allowed. Not allowed. He has to be human-y. Human-like. Of driving to the ship. So wait, you can drive to the ship, show a dude the ship, but not interfere with the no, no, assassination no. of a Kennedy. No, no. Gotcha. Let, let gotcha. me finish no, this. I, you haven't see. You haven't. You let me finish. Trying to get the, the rules down. Just trying to get the rules okay, down. Well, so they went through the the border on Mexico and went to a small coastal town called San Felipe, Sonora, uh, out in Mexico, where he parked the car and they began to go for a walk. They went over some rocks and eventually they went to a body of water. A water. They went to the body of water where a small boat was waiting for them and Valiant Thor. And Doctor Strange's got on. Still not sure where he's going at this point. And that's after they went out into the water. That's when he saw it with his own two eyes. An actual saucer-shaped vehicle 
was sitting on the water. And it wasn't like rocking with the water. It was as the waves were going, it was dead still. And he kind of explains how that works. Valiant Thor goes on to say uh, that the ship was equipped with a pencil fine beam that when fixed on any solid object, kept the ship from moving even one degree from that fixed position. I don't, does that make sense to you? Cause it doesn't make any sense to me. Say, say, say it one more time. Absolutely. The reason the ship wasn't moving with the water is that uh, the ship was equipped with a pencil fine beam that when fixed on a, any solid object, kept the ship from moving even one degree from that fixed position. So an anchor? Like a- Kind of like an anchor, yeah. But like, I don't, I, I can't like, I don't, I don't, it's like sitting on it. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to Like me. some kind of geometric laser anchor made of light. Well, they sailed closer to the craft, cut the motor, and upon uh, heading to the opened part of the craft, two smiling faces greeted him a man and a woman who took him up the crankies. the crankies were there they lifted him up into the ship then reached down for a vi and they helped him up onto the ship where a short time later the small powered craft was also raised aboard and stowed in a compartment where a much larger power craft was also seen so like they're docking his boat and all this stuff and this stuff uh, he was excited, exhilarated. This was mind-blowing to him. And it's at this point, he thinks of all the times he read and heard about true accounts that had changed the lives of other UFO researchers and investigators. Many books that carefully outline the experiences of those who had experienced actual space contact, but this time it was different because it was happening to him. He remembered how his colleagues in the Christian ministry all looked at him and laughed and wouldn't dare relate any incidents to, to, about space people or space vehicles and such. But now he said he found himself caring way less about what those stupid Christian ministry people thought about because he was seeing it with his own two eyes. He was, I guess he's a full believer now. And when he entered the ship, he was asked to completely get naked and he did so without question. I mean, of course, then guided and walked through a compartment that looked like a shower, but no water. And he felt a purifying sensation all over his body. And weirdly, this purifying sensation fixed his eyesight as he no longer needed his eyeglasses to see, he realized. So he pulled his eyeglasses off. It's another phenomenon on board the ship that was quite, quote unquote, unscientific, he says. He felt extremely good in body, mind and spirit. He walked through the shower compartment and was issued a white outfit that resembled what the, I guess, overalls is, is what they looked like. The fabric was lightweight, just like uh, Valiant Thor's weird uh, one-piece suit that the Pentagon tried with a ruby laser to pierce. Uh, but this was different fabric from that one. And their boots, he says, were really, really tight. And he gives us an illustration of what it looks like when Valiant Thor touches what's known as the fire of God. Or the fire of God touches Valiant Thor. Let me show you what this looks like. It's very simple. Don't worry. I'm going to keep going to keep going here. You guys look like you are definitely absorbing it all. What? This we're getting is. There. We got to keep pushing. We got to keep like going. A wood cut. <laughs> we got to go. Like, this looks like a woodcut of what it looks like when I do shows. <laughs> he was then directed toward the door and was accompanied by a woman called Teal. T-E-E-L, not T-E-A-L. And they were brought. I was going to I was going to say that would be crazy. <laughs> and uh, they were brought to v Valiant Thor's quarters where during the several hours aboard the craft, he was to encounter. He was like, I don't know. There's a PlayStation in the corner. You can hang out with chip, play with it. If you want. I'm, I don't know. Sit on my bed. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's chill. He says he was going to encounter actually so many wonders on this ship that were so scientifically simple that he couldn't believe it. And I don't know what he means by that line. 
Like, I don't understand how you can encounter something so scientifically secret uh, they couldn't believe it. And the example he gives is that there were a series of buttons on Valiant Thor's wall. And suddenly one section, she pressed one of them and one section of the wall suddenly became transparent and could see outside. Oh, shit. That blew his fucking mind. I mean, that's pretty cool. We have that now. We can do that now. Nah, but like they couldn't then. That's pretty cool. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take it. 1967. Maybe that was super cool. Yeah, maybe that was super cool for him. It'd be like if you got to see like Jurassic Park in like 1970. You would think yeah, those dinosaurs are real. You'd be yeah. like, oh. You'd be like, dang, that's cool. I mean, like, I'm fine, but like, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> my sanity has not changed. I'm, go- I'm going on with my life, but that was cool. At some point, Valiant- like watching Avatar 2. <laughs> Mind blowing. Valiant Thor did show up at, the, at his quarters, and he started to give him an, an insight into the phases of his UFO investigation that he had never explored personally. The information on such, such, such subject as hollow earth theory, the black hole mystery, and the Bermuda Triangle. And they would all be revealed where else but his later writings and audio recordings that you can buy on his website. That's where you can get all of that stuff. He was also informed that Bobby Kennedy and Valiant Thor had met in, the, in L.A. shortly after he delivered the, uh, a letter. In the dining room at Cantor's Delicatessen, where they split a potato salad and talked about the future. Uh, well, yeah, close, I guess. Valiant Thor informed him that his first impression of Mr. Kennedy was that he was a very nervous and suspicious man, but that he was also a man who should not be crossed politically. That was his first impression. And this is from a man who could read brains. However, he was like, what a good candidate he was. Bobby could have been president. Too bad he was assassinated. <laughs> Valiant Thor went over a brief report of his meeting with Rob, uh, Robert Kennedy, and he did uh, end up pointing, uh, pointing out that he did not believe that Bobby was going to heed his advice of avoiding politics altogether. That was the advice he gave Robert Kennedy. You're a good man. You have a lot of potential. Just don't go into politics, whatever you do. They didn't listen to him. And a look of sorrow had for the very first time come over Valiant Thor's face that Dr. Stranges saw. He had never seen Valiant Thor, Valiant Thor saw, like sad. And as the evening wore on, they assembled in a large room where the view scope had tuned into a certain hotel, the Ambassador in LA. There was much commotion, excitement, and confusion that in the scene he was seeing. There were approximately 55 crew members present for the viewing. And he was made to to understand that the same scene was being transmitted throughout the ship for all to see and hear the tragic event that was about to occur. He stated, Why? He stated that Why he had been. Why would you do that? He stated. He's trying to prove a point. (laughs) To who? The other aliens? Listen, I'll get to it. Trying to send a message. To who? Valiant Thor. No message was sent. He's trying to say, talk shit, get hit. (laughs) But no shit was talked. He tried to warn a guy. And as humans do, they don't want to believe things. And then he was like, well, screw him. Let's all watch this dude die. Well, he was like, look, watch. Like, listen, he was like, check I'm, it out. I'm going to clarify for you. Just, I, I'm going to say it right here. Valiant Thor said that he had been asked by Mr. Kennedy himself as to the chances for the presidency. So like the, Robert Kennedy was asking Valiant Thor, where do you think I'm going to, you think I could win this? And Valiant Thor replied, Mr. Kennedy. Four years from now, you would stand an excellent chance of winning. But I beg you to remain far away from the political race this year. 
He said he repeated this to him several times. Very concerned. And so again, if you were to tell a person, if you looked like this dude, a normal ass human, and you were to tell someone don't run for office, even though he very clearly is, why would he listen to you? More importantly, again, let me just stress for the record. This comes back to some what does God need with a starship shit because you're telling me that space Christians rather than do good and save a man's life a like a, a man who is doing message, good though, for the country he can't rather save than you. saving his life he can't they save all you watched him die you have to save yourself Jesse no that's bullshit that's not no one of the tenets of Christianity is 100% not doing that. <laughs> well, specifically the opposite of that. Valiant Thor tried. He repeated this several times to Kennedy. And as I said, he grew very concerned. Uh, and so were the members of his immediate oh, oh, staff. I'm so, I'm, you're right. You're right. I'm a fool. I forgot that part in the Bible where they were like, it, once you try enough times, sit back, watch the world burn. I try, that try, part. try, and reap the rewards of passive aggressive revenge. On the view scope at this moment is when we see Mr. Kennedy walking and pressing through a crowd and Valiant Thor mutters to himself, God help him. When suddenly several shots rang out and it all appeared that all hell had cut loose and Valiant Thor did not move from his seat. Teal, however, jumped up, slamming her fist on her chair, shouting, if only he had listened. Many of his followers, including another woman by the name of Rosie Greer, attempted to shield the body of Mr. Kennedy from further abuse, but it was too late. Shots rang out again, and in the confusion, one bullet found its mark. Mr. Kennedy was down on the floor, while many shouted and screamed, and still others began to attack Sirhan Sirhan. Then, obviously, he goes on to explain that the investigation that, was, uh, that ensued was similar to that of late President JFK, and was covered up in a very similar manner. Someday, the entire truth may come out, but he's, uh, Stranger says that Valiant Thor and the group watched with grave concern following the removal of Mr. Kennedy from the hotel. The set, uh, the set was turned off, the TV set they were watching, in Valiant's quarters. So they literally, as Jesse said, just sat and watched his entire assassination Again, on TV. If these were aliens, normalized, this, is, this is what happens when you do too much with your stories. Yes. If these were just normalized aliens, who were like psychically new and they were like look look mr kennedy we're just trying to save you that this would all be i'd be totally fine and but the fact that they led with we are like god-fearing aliens straight up biblical beings and they're just gonna sit there and let this happen that doesn't fly with me as to what the teachings would be well, it's nonsense you can look at this as more of a turning point for mr stranges because the moment the TV came off, the, the weird thing they were watching it on, Valiant Thor turned directly to Dr. Stranges and said, quote, Frank, it is impossible to go through life without maintaining the covering of the protection of Almighty God. We are protected by his divine power, while you, Frank, must depend upon the help and protection of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Frank, it is not only important, but also necessary to your own spiritual well-being to contain this protection every day of your own life. You have an important mission to accomplish on this planet, and you will come against the very powers of Lucifer himself because you specifically pose a threat and a direct threat to Lucifer's kingdom. Practice the presence of Christ and walk in his divine presence. We will do what we can to help you, but you must be the one to make the decisions. 
If you make a wrong or erroneous decision, learn by that mistake and then go on into the perfection that is your Lord Jesus Christ as foreordained for you and others that will set you apart from and above those who are involved in the works of darkness. This is the chosen one moment in his. So eloquent. But it's eloquent, but look at this for what it is. This is the chosen one moment of his cult. This is when Valiant yeah. Thor uses the assassination of Robert Kennedy to say, you are chosen. Listen to this what I say. Miracle. Do what yeah. I tell you to, because look at what happened to Kennedy. He just got shot. Like, if you just step back for a minute, it's so clear that this is like, for those who are reading this book, this is the moment you're supposed to be like, wow, Dr. Strange's is incredible. Like, this is the guy I have to listen to. He has the truth. It's very, very, in my opinion, rather, it's very apparent. Like, it just isn't well hidden. Um, they went on then to go have a dinner. And following that, a brief session uh, where he was given a guided tour of the ship by Vi and Teal, which I'll get you a picture of in a moment. Uh, it was interesting to note that there were no square corners on the ship, whatever. And this is important uh, because this is just nicked out of other UFO abduction stories like Betty and Barney Hills and all that stuff like that, like no round corners is very, very common even before these guys showed up. And he's just like you can see him. He, I mean, he admits it in the book that he's plucking like he's read so many UFO encounters and so many UFO abductions. He's plucking what I imagine are probably the most prevalent things and just stringing them all through, like getting naked, weird one pieces, going through a cleaning thing that has no shower. All of these are bits and bobs from very common abduction stories. And he's just weaving them into his bizarre cult like storyline for whatever the cause is. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say that like the crew and everybody worship the same God as him, recognize Christ as being the son of God who came to the planet and for the purpose of winning the human family back to the eternal father. And Valiant Thor said in one of his talks that God was no respecter of persons and would reveal his eternal truths to whom would receive them. There you go. Uh, again, muddying and even making it more strict as to who actually gets to hear the words that are spoken. All uh, I hear is spoken. Captain James Tiberius Kirk simply asking the question that needs to be asked. Just, just <laughs> all of this sounds. Right. But let me give you uh, like, the photos of the ship first. I just need you to know the last this episode and last episode is literally Game of Thrones. It started <laughs> off it. like, oh, this is entertaining, and we are in we are in season eight now, or whatever the last season was, where it's just like. What? 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 <laughs> You're getting the first it's and like second the, floor. It's like the writers gave up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like not not even like trying anymore at this point. So there's the uh, there's the just the, the floor plan of the UFO, everybody right there for you. Admittedly, the it looks floor. very similar to when you get like the schematics of a Star Wars ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does actually in like all the RPG books and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The officer kind of the officer's quarters seem kind of sus. I got to say like it's a circle. It's perfect. It, it has like the functionality of like the Normandy and Mass Effect. Like everybody's here. You can like go do all the things you need to do. Just trying to give everybody a quick overview. And in one corner, there's on there in one quadrant is an yeah. auditorium, which I think is hilarious. well after his like the debriefing with the Valiant Thor, he was brought to guest quarters and he immediately uh, like talks about how the floors themselves are like the thickest, puffiest clouds that you can imagine walking on and that when you walk on them, they kind of leave an imprint of your foot. They had fucking memory foam floors, bro. 
Memory foam before we had memory foam. That's exactly what this floor is made out of, which is also this is like sweet comically. The fact that there's no right angles. Oh, yeah. It means that yeah, Alex is right. The officer's quarters. I don't know. The officer's quarters doesn't have a door. It's connected to the library. And then meanwhile, the master's quarters, which is a whole other thing <laughs> that it looks that kind of looks like dough, like kneaded dough. <laughs> and then there's a lounge that has rather than a sharp, rather than like a 90 degree angle has like a sharp. If they're from a highly advanced civilization, what are you going to put there? There's a corner that looks like it it just is a razor thing. What would you put in that corner? I don't know. You can't decorate this thing. <laughs> Fucking water, like a lava lamp, like a little, little tower, little dog tower. The control room? You're like you're telling me the control room is a little lopsided. A little bit. A little <laughs> lopsided. Not too bad. Meanwhile, Come on now. The main auditorium, perfectly symmetrical in every way. Control room. It's like, you know, a little free flowing, baby. Yeah. It's great. Uh What's hilarious is that he makes note of one amusing thing that happened to him while he was on the ship itself uh, and that the uh, when he went to the what the bathroom was, he was embarrassed to note that the obvious absence of toilet paper. Then it happened. He heard a voice within his own mind, which immediately recognized his valiant Thor that said, Frank, look to your right. You will find three buttons. Push the first, then the second, and then the third. In it's that the order. three seashells, dude! No. <laughs> no. Uh, in, that, in that message in his brain, in that message me? in his brain, he, uh, he heard Teal's laugh as he proceeded to press the first button. And the sensation that occurred immediately after that was a rapid, warm wind, similar to a jet of air blowing beneath the toilet seat. The process entirely crystallized the shit in his in his ass and caused no. it to drop out from him. Correct. Uh, then the second button was another jet blast of a different pressure and temperature. Finally, the third button pres- uh, produced a pleasant fragrance uh, substance that made him feel as though he had been washed, clean, powdered, and perfumed. Stop. <laughs> I'm Stop. not kidding you. It crystallized. What year is this? What year 1967, is this? I think still. It cr- is it possible? Is it possible that it's a reference? I don't. I don't know what that's a reference that's to. A valiant... that the first button, you feel some wind, and then the the literal shit in your ass I mean, gets crystallized can't... and pulled it, out of you. It's in your body it's crystallized. A... Yes, and then it drops out of him. How does the wind have know you, have the you... difference between your body and the poo? I mean, I, it's only meant to crystallize the poo. I don't know. But how does your how does the wind know? I don't know because that wind is designed for alien physiology. How does it know? Man versus poo. Remember, Venusians look very much like humans. They're like humans, but purpler. No, no, it's different. Physio- if you're purpler, that's different physiology, <laughs> my man. That's different. It's different. When he came out of the bathroom, no one said anything, but he had a gut feeling. Everybody knew what just happened. Before he had a gut feeling, yeah, no, they're all laughing at it because Teal- they made him do the crystal poo trick. Well, before Teal broke the silence by laying on the joke, well, do you want to take one home with you? A crystal poo. A crystal poo toilet. I would take one home with me for sure. I'd be like, yes, no nuts. I just say, I'm just, I don't know. It's just weird. It, it kind of sounds like a bidet, but like way more, way more intrusive. Well, Stallone said that you hold two of the seashells like chopsticks and pull, pull the poop jelly. out. Oh yeah, my that's god! Different. 
it's is that what that reference was? I didn't know what you were referencing yes, at all. Yes, it's from. Yeah, have you seen Demolition? Have you never seen, seen Demolition, Demolition Man? Man? No. We gotta make. We gotta watch. Okay, yeah. That's the next one film we have to watch immediately. Yeah, they put it in. They put it in uh, Cyberpunk also. Well, now you know. During all of this, he, my cat just went nuts. Uh, a long time ago, Valiant Thor was an instructor at what would be considered a, uh, considered university level on Venus, and it was. And he, he uh, Dr. Strange just cautions you to bear in mind that he is one of those beings who was directly created by the hand of God himself. Uh, and there are times when one such as Valiant Thor will elect to attach himself to parents of other children, usually because there's a kinship of thoughts and ideas that can keep them together as a family. Uh, and there and so Valiant Thor is considered while he's created by God himself. He's not in as high a position as Jesus is because Jesus came to earth as the very embodiment of the creator of creators. So Val was Valiant Thor was created by hand by God, but he wasn't as special as Jesus. And he attached himself to a family to raise him because God, he didn't have a real mom or a dad. Uh, and, right, right. Yeah. And so, again, just for clarity's sake, all the religions bullshit. Yeah. Space Jesus. Correct. Yeah. Here's my question. If I'm if I'm religious, if I'm like, you know, religious dude, this is a question I ask all the time and I feel like I'll never get a real answer. But why wouldn't I think, oh, this guy who says he used to be like God's number one dude coming down to earth, like somehow involved in an assassination. Why wouldn't I be like, oh, this is the devil messing with me. Literally tempting me and like saying i'm god's chosen and like i'm getting involved in like space witchcraft with crystal poo i'm just saying <laughs> i'm just putting out there that maybe i would see this differently well i'd be like i don't know that i can trust this dude i you know i would say the same but valiant thor gives many many examples of how he is part and get you know of, of god he's like one with god let me let me give you the i'm quick sure i'm sure that the you know the Lucifer of like Dante's Inferno and Milton would be like, yeah, no, God and I were good friends until mm. he became a sum of bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but they still knows everything, yeah. right? Like that's the whole point is he's like, I was there, dude. Couldn't you say you can't can't ask the the. <laughs> What is it? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing people he's not that's real. What I'm saying. <laughs> oh, so you've seen that movie. Is that from a movie? Oh, my God. I didn't know that was from a movie. Oh, my God. What movie is that from? Oh my god! What I just thought you, it was like a from? quote, you know, like a. I mean, it is. It is. Well, yeah, it yeah. Is a quote. I mean, but yeah, but like a quote from like I don't know, like a philosopher, a religious person from like ye old England or something. It is a quote, but more modernly, it's the last line of a movie. What movie? It, so yeah, will so it spoil the movie. If you tell me, it's a movie. It'll ah! spoil it. Right, let me spoil to you. If I don't tell okay, you who yeah, says you... it, if I don't tell you who says it, it's fine. It's the usual suspects. But it's also a quote by Baudelaire. Yeah. But he says the prettiest trick of the devil is to make us believe he doesn't. Uh, the prettiest trick of God is Venusian man Valiant Thor, who was given the name Valiant by his family. The family he joined were uh, a three a pod family by the name of Don, Thon, and Doc. Uh, these are all fellow members of the Thor family, and Valiant Thor Valiant took on the name Thor. From their family, so now you know how I is called Valiant Thor because it was the family's name: Don Thor, Thon Thor, and Doc Thor. The Venusian man is in no way related to the 
Vitruvian Man. I don't know who that is. It is Leonardo DiCaprio's. Oh, like, oh, oh that's, yes, that's, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's called Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, th- thank you. I, I mean, I get it. You know, Leonardo da Vinci's famous guy. Yeah, <laughs> we're the we're the well, dumbest. Le- people Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, famous pose. You know, in in this debrief that he keeps giving Doctor Strange Oof. is, what if I told you that humans weren't the first attempt at life on Earth by God? No, there was a t- period of time during which the Creator brought into existence bunch of other creations originally it was supposed to be turtles uh, well originally this <laughs> earth was the land of for the people of quello q u e l l o quello uh this was a marvelous creation accompanied by many many developments that attested to the creativity and imagination of man but as the story goes this awesome power went to their heads and they immediately with the help of lucifer placed themselves in a self-destruct position they defied all of the perfect laws of God, violated his perfect will, as well as the laws governing their own society. And consequently, they were banished from the face of the earth. And then God proceeded to create another man on this surface. And that's us, baby. We're try number two. You know, he said, baby, I said, baby, as he was okay. rolling. Right. Dying, he was like, yes, like, you guys, try baby. number two, baby. And Valiant Daddy Thor needs a new species. Valiant Thor has been around so long that he actually bore witness to all of these events and volunteered to observe Earth in order to gain a closer look at what was happening down here. Much time passed before Valiant Thor was permitted to personally visit Earth, and he continued to advance and soon became an instructor on Venus. Teaching the young people the mysteries of the universe gave him great joy, yet he still longed for something more. And when he was a younger man, Valiant Thor was performing what would be considered to be, what I guess, menial tasks to him that were not really all that important. And so he decided to pray and meditate for days without end. And though he felt within himself that someday he would be a starship commander, he was getting impatient. And one day, while walking along the shores of one of the most beautiful bodies of water within the confines of Venus, an amazing yet wonderful event took place that was to change his life forever and fulfill his fondest dream. Suddenly, without warning out of the crystal lake, a finger of fire rose out, thus revealing the hand and then full, a full-length arm. This arm pointed directly at Valiant Thor, and he remained motionless as the fiery finger reached from the water and touched his lips. He then heard what he describes as a majestic voice saying to him, Valiant, you have been created for a divine purpose. Your lips will speak words of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to people on a faraway planet. Let your heart be filled with the expectation that very soon you will be sent to accomplish the most important task for which you have been prepared. And that's when he told Dr. Stranges that he then felt the power of God, not only flooding his soul, but cloaking him with supernatural power that originated from God. Within days, he met face to face with Jesus Christ himself. This took place during a special time of worship and praise that raised the consciousness of the Venusian people to a much higher level than ever before. A flame of fire filled the temple and small tongues of fire sat upon everyone in attendance. The master summoned Valiant Thor to the platform. A special robe of power and authority was placed around his shoulders. The flame of fire continued to rest upon his head, and the master placed his divine hand upon Valiant Thor's head, and a blessing was pronounced upon him. The power of the Almighty was so great that many witnessing sight fell to the floor in adoration. Valiant Thor's mission was completely spelled out before him. Thousands of witnesses then knew Valiant Thor was the one, the task of bringing the light to the planet of Earth 
was inevitable to land upon. Huge, huge, huge ceremony because he got to become a, that's him basically becoming a commander of a starship. That's like the ceremony of becoming a commander. And when the ceremony was concluded, (laughs) Valiant Thor was instructed to remain on the platform. The master placed his divine arms around Valiant Thor and charged him with the task that lay before him. Within a brief time, the master announced a special ring of fire ceremony that was to be performed by Valiant Thor and others before they would set foot on the planet Earth. The ring of fire would protect him and all the others permitted to serve with him. Their mission was under the direct guidance of Lord Jesus Christ and remains so to this day, end quote. <laughs> so he's a very important man picked that by is God. So, I had no idea of this. Dude, no, of no one ever talks about it. And it's like really weird because that's like the bulk of the story to me is like all this crazy fucking shit. And don't worry, that ritual I'm going to give you the step-by-step instructions on how to do it very, very Thank shortly. You. And everybody at home can perform it if you so choose to gain the protection of the Ring of Fire. It's going to be phenomenal. But that's kind of like the backstory of Valiant Thor. And we go back to Doctor Strange's. Fast-forwarding a few years as he continues his work as a missionary, working in direct contact with Valiant Thor. But on, in one afternoon... In January of now 1974, Doctor Strange's was summoned for a meeting with Valiant Thor and several of his people on the outskirts of Las Vegas, Nevada. This is one of my favorite fucking stories that supposedly happens to this man. Okay, great. Can't wait. The sun had began descending behind the mountains as his plane taxied to the ramp, and he noticed that there were unhappy faces of those who had left their donations to the welfare of Las Vegas. He noticed two young men attired in tight-fitting black outfits, waving him over, calling him by name. He thought they were friends of Valiant Thor, so he went with them. One of them took his briefcase, and the other instructed them to follow them to a black Cadillac that was parked out by the curb. Another man, also dressed in black, was sitting behind the wheel. This did not, for whatever reason, strike Doctor Strange's as weird at all, and his, ex- his excuse was like, limousine drivers, they all look like that. So he didn't, you know, he's like, this must be just a uniform that they're wearing. He was sent, uh, put in the back of the car, and they began driving. The smell of cigars in the car should have tipped him off, he says, because in the excitement of seeing Valiant Thor again, he completely superseded his own caution. Space people do not smoke and are never around people who do. Then and I am staying here, bro. <laughs> it was then, as the uneasy feeling overcame him, the Cadillac pulled over from, uh, from the curb, He saw red lights and heard warning bells inside his head, and there was no further conversation until they pulled over to the side of the road several blocks away from the airport. The gentleman who was on his right, also in the back seat, simply said, get out. He proceeded to exit the car, and his heart was pounding at such a rapid rate that he thought it might burst. And as he stooped to get out of the car, the man behind him must have braced himself against the side of the door and planted his feet with a firm shove directly against his kidneys and he was sent sprawling to the desert floor face full of sand and immediately was pounced upon by the duo he remembered some of his martial arts studies however as he had been practicing martial arts and quickly rolled out of the way for a few seconds and sprang to his feet it was then that he struck back at them at the same time calling on the name of jesus christ Many passive Christians who might be reading this, or even hearing this, he denotes, might take offense or even may be horrified to learn that he dared to lift a hand 
and self-protection, but he did his best to defend himself regardless. And again, he was thrown to the ground and kicked over and over again. His glasses were smashed, but he could see well enough to get back on his feet and land a direct hit in the face of one of his attackers. He heard the crunch of broken cartilage while at the same time noticing that his hand was a bloody mess. The driver then came rushing over to the scene and plowed into the thick of battle. He caught, uh, Dr. Strangers caught him in the stomach with his right foot while lashing out again at the other two. Suddenly, a white Cadillac pulled in front of where the black one was parked. Two men rushed out and started aiding Dr. Strangers, and he knew without any necessary instructions that these were the men whom I was, he was supposed to meet at the airport. Right, because no, the white Cadillac. Good yeah, guys. Exactly. No, it checks out. Cars continued to pass by, some slowing down to look, but most continuing on their way. And the two men in silvery outfits attacked the trio to the point that they were immediately subdued. And then he got up and left with them. One of them was Don, a member of Valiant Thor's family. He picked up his broken glasses as Don placed his hand upon his body. And through the power of God, he was healed from all of his wounds. Even though By Lucifer tried God? to jump him in the desert or whatever, the men in black who were uh, trying to jump him in the desert. Dude, he had like a badass, like can't keep him down. Like he got kicked a couple times, but in his story, he landed some good hits. He was getting up. He was got like, I can do this all day He's moment. conspiracy you know theory I mean? Jesus. He was brought to the medical center of their ship uh, for the benefit of people of Earth who visit Valiant Thor's ship. They get like access to the super space medicine. Uh, space people do not get sick or even hurt on the job, he notes, uh, nor do they become physically limited in any way, shape, form, or matter. The medical facilities are comprised of the following. An examination table, which also serves as an operating table, that's made of warm, soft, plastic-like substances. A very powerful laser-type sun gun, which is affixed to the ceiling. Soft pastel colors of the chamber lend themselves to peace and serenity, and is also constantly playing soft music that calms the nerves. All of the equipment, tables, supplies, and, and surgical instruments come out of the wall. When you first enter the chamber, all that you see is the table. The indirect lighting also lends itself to the tranquility of the room. Space doctors. And when they need to draw blood from humans, it's performed painlessly without invading anyone's veins with a harsh needle. The small instrument that is used looks like a short transparent tube, which is affixed to your arm. You hear the sound of a slight wind, no pain whatsoever. By the time the instrument is removed from your arm, the opening in your skin was healed with no after effects at all. Isn't that amazing? Don't, is, aren't you ready to become one with God? That is, this is just getting like creepy and weird now. <laughs> well, we're, we're barreling toward the end, don't you worry. We're, we're almost there. Every detail makes me feel like it's just like more of a, it's like just like Scientology, just like we were saying, like the deeper you get into it, the more obvious it is that it's A, clearly a yeah. bible allegory and be just totally like a like a like conspiracy theory religious yeah. text is what this is all trying i'm saying to is valiant in the thesaurus can also mean audacious and thor can in some ways be translated to mean uh one with ego and thor canonically had red hair and you know i'm just saying I'm just saying. Yeah. Satan. Interesting. Okay. I mean, you might be right. You might be right. We'll see. We'll see. How Interesting. This goes. 
Valiant Thor then went on to review the scope of faithfulness of those members of his organization whose hearts were with the overall goals of the program to help other members of the human family find truth. So it's here in the story that we now see the cult-like piece of the puzzle that says those who are chosen. Yeah, well, well, no, no, another piece of the puzzle where Valiant Thor is basically saying those that follow you, they're special. Their hearts are like any others. They can find truth. And only those who accept that scope of faithfulness in your organization are ones that can be trusted. So it's like, again, Mm. being like, no, see, I'm super special. But because I'm super special, it makes you all special. And together, we know the truth. And the government hates us. They keep sending men in black. I tried to get, I mean... He's already building a common enemy, as many, you know, do. He's had two, quote, unquote, assassination attempts on him now that also give you like, see, they don't want the truth out there. You got to get behind me. That kind of thing. Let me just go back to why every person who is like a faithful Christian should immediately question this. Yeah. yeah. Because, again, this dude clearly stated, I met Jesus and like on a hierarchy in the heavens. Jesus is way above me. So he is coming to earth to say to people, hey, you follow me, you're special. You got God connections. You're special. But like, didn't Jesus do a whole thing? And isn't there like a whole bunch of stuff dedicated to that dude? So like, are they wrong? But isn't he higher than you? So shouldn't we listen to what Jesus said instead of what you're saying? Valiant Thor? I'm just putting it out there. As a person who's not religious at all, I have a feeling. I would be upset morally and spiritually by this guy saying this shit. I, you're using logic, and I don't know how to answer to you. <laughs> it's crazy how that I, happens. I just don't know how to answer to you. You know what I mean? Like, just tell me you'll pray for me. I, and I will off. absolutely pray for you. I'll pray <laughs> for you, you tonight. Thank you. I'll think about you while I yeah. say my prayers. <laughs> well, they would have more run-ins that we won't go through in detail. In 1985, while he was driving with his wife, A blue car seemed to appear out of nowhere, and he slammed on the brakes, causing the car behind him to hit him so hard, it sent his car spiraling into the dirt uh, median on the side. However, he and his wife survived, and when people were looking for the other car, it was mysteriously gone, and the uh, state troopers seemed wholly uninterested in looking further into that, because they may be being influenced by uh, Satan. Satan, not Saint Lynn. Saint Lynn might be kind of neat, but no. Saint, Saint Lynn, Lynn. sounds great. Saint, <laughs> Lynn. Saint Lynn sounds like a place that I want to go drink rum for some reason. And his whole life from this point on would be that of spreading Valiant Thor's message and consistent attacks on his life. At one night, uh, they had been doing a, just like a, a normal meeting or, or giving one of his lectures. And uh, they called a taxi to head back to the hotel they were staying at. And the car had not been drivable because uh, the car had not been drivable and had been towed to the car dealer for repair. So that night, uh, he was able to actually go aboard the name of uh, Valiant Thor's ship, which I totally forgot to tell you. Valiant Thor's ship name is Victor One. At a scale of 1 to 10 for a spaceship name, Victor One. What do you think? Sounds like it's from Star Wars. No, that's a trick. No, it doesn't. No, Victor One (laughs) sounds like it's from like the knockoff. (laughs) star like star adventures space weird that it's in english. i'll say that i'll say that it's weird that it's english in english that's my it's weird that's that it's thing. numbered and he even got attacked by the men in black shortly after him and his wife were officially married they injured his wife heavily but she survived at this point i'm along for the ride like at this point i'm on the pirates of the I'm caribbean outraged. ride waiting <laughs> waiting till the end like 
Long ago, long ago, we crossed the threshold where I was like, could this be? It was clear at this point that Dr. Strange's was in dire need of some sort of protection. His life was being threatened, and even though he was being watched over and guided by Valiant Thor, it wasn't stopping Lucifer's and his agents' attacks on him to stop the truth from getting out to the public who needed to hear it. And so, a divine protection ritual was taught to Dr. Strange's and his wife. The name in which the invocation is pronounced may cause friction, but Dr. Strange's informs us of this great truth without reservation. He says the proof is in the pudding. The formula has stood the test of time. His friends from space invoke this divine protection before ever setting foot on this planet. Can we be so complacent as to not afford ourselves the very same opportunity? No, no, I say, and probably Dr. Strange as well. and there, he doesn't want to allow evil forces to continue their deeds of destruction to every phase of life. So, fire has always been the representative of divine protection, cleansing, purification. Far too many people are dying before their time, while others are suffering unnecessarily uh, via sickness and disease. And UFO researchers are increasingly becoming targets of the ungodly forces which permeate the world. Even the governments are deceiving the people into believing lies. In view of these facts, do you or do you not need to be surrounded by the ring of fire? You do. Are you ready to learn the Bro. ritual? Bro, this man straight up is like for the power of Jesus. Let's talk about flames. <laughs> like oh, our burning whoa. bush. Burning bush happened. So nah, fuck it. Let's do it. And man. the f- finger of Thor or whatever it was, was out of the lake. So it's a four step ceremony. Step one. First. Place a lighted white candle before you on a table or other flat surface and be careful to place a dish or other object under the candle to catch any wax drips. Step two. That's nice. Sensible. Under no circumstances should you permit anyone or anything to interrupt you while you are performing this ceremony. Make sure you have privacy. Three. Recite the Lord's Prayer. That's so fucking weird. Four. In the final step is to pray the following prayer without doubt in your heart. Believe that the God of creation is hearing you at the very moment that you are praying. Keep your eyes open as you pray, lifting your outstretched hands, heaven's word. Look into the flame and maintain your full senses. Know what you are doing at all times and repeat the following aloud. Which one of you wants to read this uh, ritual prayer? I don't want to read. I'm not going to hell. I'm not reading this. I'm reading this ritual prayer right now, and I'm going to do it with belief in my heart. Eternal Father, creator of the universe, hear this day my petition. Surround me now with your divine ring of fire, the fire of your protection, the fire of your abundance, the fire of complete healing, the fire of divine abundance. I now command the hand of Almighty God on my behalf. Let it be so this very moment. In the blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You now protect. Well, if you had a candle going, you would now be protected. Time out. Yeah. Question. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I don't do very many religious sure. uh, cult things. Mm-hmm. Is demanding and commanding of God a thing that you do? Uh, not. I I grew up Catholic for like I would eighteen years, and I cannot I remember feel- commanding the Almighty God. A lot of things of like surround me now, do God. this now, but never like the words. I command the hand of the Almighty Father to. I don't. It might, there might be though. Ugh. 
I've asked him for stuff. I tried to get powers from God. Maybe I should have commanded powers from God. That would have fixed yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's probably that's probably what you. <laughs> maybe up. that's what we're all doing. Everyone's praying to God, but maybe we should just be like, "What the hell, bro?" Well, after you, say, how about you help now, dude? After you say that prayer, you must then look into the flame of the candle and place all of your heartfelt desires as well as your problems. Put your desires into the flame. Yeah, yeah, get into the, the fire. Fuck out. Get out of here. Then get out. No, of here. no, I'm not done yet. Then you must extinguish the candle and watch the smoke rise as to the nostrils of God as he re- receives your prayer. So God receives your prayer by sniffing smoke. He, he just <laughs> literally, but so you're weird. not done yet. Do not remove yourself from the room for at least three full minutes. And as you stand before the extinguished That's candle, fine. keep your eyes open and feel the presence of the ring of fire. You can perform this prayer slash ceremony anywhere, anytime, even while driving your car, you can pronounce the words and feel the protection of the ring of fire. You will never be the same again, he says. Uh, so yeah, once you do that first ritual, all you got to do is say the prayer and the ring of fire is there for you, baby. And the spaceman taught him this. Yeah, yes. Valiant Thor taught him this. Right. Correct. Okay. Because that's right. like, he, he said the time was now because Dr. Strange's life had been attempted on so many times. He needed to know the ring of fire ritual. Y'all remember them stories about like, the really good religious dudes who like went against the machine and they died for it. But like in their death, they achieved something greater. You know, remember those, remember those, remember those stories? I feel like uh, this goes against all of that. Yeah. Kind of weird how that happens. Weird. The last bits of information he was getting from Valiant Thor were mostly just about the presence of other Venusians here on earth. Uh, they're presently about, at the time of the book writing, um, there are about 450 persons under surveillance by Victor One, and only 20% of those people being watched are of a positive nature, because they're watching people for people with the right heart, you know, that they can reach out to. Um, the, uh, the rest present some kind of threat to the planet. Approximately 103 Victor-class spacecrafts are on or near the surface of Earth, uh, active between some 287 locations. The first Victor-class ship visited Earth nearly 6,000 years ago when Albert Einstein's four papers of technical... What was that one called? No idea. When not Albert the Einstein- Victor-1? The first Victor-class ship, not Victor-1, though. I'm just one, saying, though. it's yeah. a confusing naming I convention. I know. Okay. Not, this guy yeah. wasn't super creative. Let's just put it that way. Albert Einstein's four papers of technical development first appeared in 1905. The need for close scrutiny increased. Deployment reached the present level of 103 in 1981 during the peak threat of nuclear war. All of the Victor-class ships are carefully constructed on board the Starship, which is the mothership orbiting Earth. And there is a level compartment on the very bottom of the Starship where these ships are constructed and housed until they are dispatched when needed. The crews are carefully chosen, with the ranking officers being those who are considered seasoned to command such a ship. The design of the Victor-class ships is constant. They all look the same. There are zero variations. There are other scout ships that are smaller, which is uh, an example they use as the saucer ship that he landed outside of Alexandria, Virginia, when he came the very first time. These have a capacity of one, two, three, four, six, eight, or ten persons. I don't know why we skip a few numbers. And all of these are also constructed of the same basic material of all Victor-class ships. But the, the shapes of these smaller ships actually vary, unlike the Victor-class ships. Well, obviously. 
Yeah, it's crazy. And you want to know, you might be thinking, well, if they're all over the planet, where are they? I can give you the location of Victor One right fucking now. Oh, he good. actually takes a map and marks the location of the Victor One starship. Well, where it was at the time. Yeah, in 1981. This is when it, where it was around Which, 1981. By, by the way, just like real quick question, just for those yeah, listening sure. at home. Uh, you know, if you were like an alien Jesus freak charged with protecting the Earth from trouble and you were monitoring bad actors, wouldn't it be like crazy if in like, I don't know, the end of the 70s, um, a major uh, Middle Eastern nation was overthrown and turned into a theocracy for a totally different religion <laughs> that went against everything that you taught? I bet that would be crazy if that, you know. But I guess Tehran isn't like, it's not a place they care about. I have We don't know how this story ends, Jesse. You, you know, it's going to end extremely disappointingly because this wasn't the last book he wrote and he went on for decades still to Well, yeah, I mean, you got to pay the bills. You got to keep put, pumping books out. I don't think a lot stories. of people are buying them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a few followers, no, but no one's getting in the way of this. We got to sell stuff. He then goes on to try and explain the way the ship moves. And the best explanation I can give you is it's it's vibration waves that they ride like a force field, like the higher that like ride vibrational waves through like as a force. it's very it doesn't okay. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I can like vibe it out like I can like get yeah. it. Yeah, I guess uh, they are. They actually have what he calls a master beam, which is, I don't like you know, the, the master lock in a car. Yeah. Same thing. Spaceship version of that, and the, what, did Masterlocks already exist in nineteen seven uh, in nineteen eighty one? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, weird. The Victor series ships are not just guided, but completely controlled at all times. And this master beam, uh, the master beam from the starship, holds each of these ships locked in a in like a vice. So it's literally the fucking like fucking master lock of cars. Uh. There are 287 locations of the Victor series ships uh, by land masses, oceans, and countries. I'm going to give you where you can find them. There are 38 of them in North and South Pacific Ocean, 29 in Japan, 21 in the USA, but only 48 of the states, 18 in North and South Atlantic Ocean, 17 in Russia, 17 in China and Mongolia, 17 in India, Afghanistan, and through Vietnam, 17 in just the Middle East. 17 in Africa and Madagascar, 15 in Europe, 13 in Indian, in the Indian Ocean, 11 in the Philippines and Indonesian Isles, 9 in Australia and New Zealand, 8 in South America, 7 in Scandinavia, 6 in Canada, 5 in Korea, 4 in the Arctic Ocean, 3 in Greenland and the Ice, in Iceland, uh, 2 in Central America, 2 in Antarctica, and 1 in Alaska, and then 10 in others that he says are, quote, due to vagueness of boundaries. Are we not going to talk about how they're 29 in Japan? Yeah, man. That's why they're so, like, high-tech now. Oh, I mean, of course that must be it. Duh. Right, right. The total number of crew on a Victor 1 ship is about 200. So, you know, do the math and you look at, like, 6,000 people or 6,000 Venusians that are there. Um, then there's, uh, in, in each ship, there are crews that directly assist the Victor, a Victor-class ship, and they end up, there's a Teal in the preparation and teaching of the various classes conducted above aboard Victor One. Most of these classes about uh, are conducted by her and pertain directly to Earth sciences, Earth people and their habits, the fall of mankind, and the salvation of Jesus Christ. 
the psychology of the human being, the reason for the human being, the history of mankind, and last but not least, the ultimate position of mankind in the universe. And that's kind of where the Frank Strange's story of Valiant Thor peters out. He the worst thing that can continues to a story like this, to be honest. <laughs> because at, it's at this point, Doctor Strange's becomes basically a direct contact for Valiant Thor. And everything spoken by him from this book on, more or less, should be with the understanding that he is in direct communication with those who are akin to God. And so what he says is the divine truth. Also important, as this was asked, Dr. Strange has got a PhD in psychology and a, a, uh, a bachelor's degree in divinity. Uh, so he did finish his uh, preschool. And uh, he has conversations with Valiant Thor on God and, D and uh, Lucifer and the Venusians here on Earth. And when the book was done and published, just goes on to say that they are still present here on planet Earth and to seek their teachings and uh, do right by yourself and by God. And in that, you could get the cool superpowers that Valiant Thor has. Lit. And that's the story of Valiant Thor. <laughs> The alien who absolutely was not an object of cult creation and uh, absolutely got to talk to Nixon and a bunch of other things. And uh, he gave here a picture of that I assume he was given by Valiant Thor of Earth during uh, from the moon during its first battle with the Quello people before humanity was to arrive in the explosion that you could see from the moon itself. Can't wait to see this. I bet you it's going to look great. Okay. All right. So a couple questions about this one. <laughs> uh, love the explosion vibe. Love the foreground background thing with the earth. What the fuck are those other things? Planets. I the think other that's planets. Jupiter back yeah. there. Those are mm -hmm. the other planets, the other planets. all equidistant to earth, all the exact same size, except yep. one is uh they're lit differently one, yeah, it's all one has an entirely different sun approaching so, from an entirely different angle yeah if you are not convinced after all of this that a cult was attempting to be created i leave you with this very final piece at the end of the book what cult leader doesn't have an end day scenario for you to worry about and join the cult to avoid please tell me it was like 1987 <laughs> the order of events when no no he was smart enough not to give a specific date but he gives a list of events that will happen that indicate the end of days oh yeah the go. good old end of days yeah yeah baby the first thing that will happen millions Elon Musk buys twitter first thing <laughs> the first thing that happens is millions of people will vanish from the face of the earth just gone like raptured I, yeah i imagine step two children will be reported missing Loved ones That's, gone. Seems kind of like the same thing. <laughs> Loved ones gone and graves opened. Oh. Mm. Step three. Distress of, distress of nations such as never before transpired on this planet. So crazy shit that we've never seen before. Four. Transportation will be a major problem. I mean, look, he ain't wrong. <laughs> Five. From this point on, a series of uh, a series of presidential orders will be issued to the authorities on this planet, placing every living person in the U.S. under complete dictatorship. The U.S. is going to become a dictatorship and over the whole world. Once the chosen, quote unquote, have been removed, the president will A, take over all communications media, B, take over all petroleum, gas, fuel, electric power, and, and more, C, take over 
all food resources, farms, and more. D, take over all modes of transportation. E, mobilize all civilians into workforces under government supervision. F, take over all health, welfare, and education. I wish they would. G, postmaster authorized to conduct nationwide registration of all persons. H, take over all airplanes, aircraft, including private planes. And I, take over all housing, financing, relocate people, build with public funds in certain designated areas. Furthermore, scientists agree that there will be a drastic weather change, fierce changing winds, rapidly accelerating solar activity connected with an outward gravitational pull that may cause the Earth to become exceedingly hot for several days. The ice caps may melt, earthquakes occur all over the Earth, and the predictions of the scientists measure up even 26% to expectations. Then soon there may be a time of desolation and tribulation, Jesus said of his coming again, as recorded in Luke 21, 25, 28 that there would be a fearsome signs in the heavens and upon the earth, distress of nations. All right, there's your end times. It's officially a cult. That is the end of the story. That is how the book even ends. Like, that's basically it. Uh, and there you go. You have been taught the truth of Valiant Thor, not the crazy, like, alien shit that every other topic seems to think this is about, and the weird, failed religious cult at the center of all of it. It's so weird because it's... It's so weird because it's like, even without, even if you swallow every like alien, I left out so much too. There's so much more I'm, than just like I'm dumb confident and, there is. I know, but if I you know. swallow all the bizarre claims, even just a rudimentary education, like if you went to college and you just took your general eds, mm -hmm. you would be like, no, this is fake, because like, 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 like it's so funny how. Little you have to dip your hands and your feet into the pool of this story as an educated person. Like, if people were better educated about stuff when they come into these scenarios, like where they get wrapped up in a cult or something like that, mm -hmm. we'd be like, if anything weird was actually happening, we'd cut right to the core of it so quick because of how fast these types of stories would be over. Uh, and that's, that's a little, that's, that's something that I've been thinking about this whole time. And I mean, honestly, the I think most people did see that, at least during this, because not a lot of people fell into the spell of Dr. Frank E. Strange's. Uh, sure, he had a small little group of people that, you know, believed him enough to consistently sell book after book after book after lecture after audio thing. But a lot of the people, I think, who were interested in him initially wasn't because of the God aspect, but because of the alien aspect. And then, you know, once he, they maybe realized what actually happened, they were just like, no, I'm out. Like, it, it has, it just, it, it reeks of a failed attempt of something that, uh, you know, we've seen on this show many, many, many times. And uh, it's fascinating. Like, I, I think another reason people don't talk about him a lot, too, is because there's not a lot of information about him as a person, like, publicly out there. I took, you know, you get a lot of this just from his own words about himself in his books. And even then he keeps himself just, you know, I'm a godly person. I'm a PhD. I went to, you know, I went to become a priest, et cetera, et cetera. There's just not a lot out there on him. So I just found it fascinating. I know, uh, you know I, I love stories like this because first it's just insane to hear the stories, but also the truth of it. And like, what's at the center is kind of interesting. And I, I really like it. So that's it for this. We're done with aliens for this one. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but we're off to head to patreon.com slash Illuminati pod, knock out a mini sode for everybody. It's great over there, guys. Check it out. Get on the level. Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you right now. Maybe I don't want to scoop anyone. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about uh, to the stars Academy today.
Okay, I think I know what you're gonna talk about too. All right, cool. I'm gonna, oh, I'm excited now. All right, well, uh, we'll see you over at the mini-sode. Thank you guys again. We appreciate your support. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.